Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs. Welcome to Wari Desho's Good Boy Hour, because we'll be talking about a real good boy. Maybe two of them, depending on how our opinion pans out. But no, actually, this is not the Good Boy Hour. It's actually our second stream podcast. Uh, this is going to be covering Horimiya uh, for this particular season, which I think is, what is it, winter 2020? I've lost track of time. It is winter yeah. 2021. I mean, I know that today yes. is a day that ends with the letter Y. That's about it, really. Everything else is just kind of blending together in some sort of temporal mush. You're doing good. But anyway, that, uh, the dulcet tones you might be hearing, if you're listening to this on, uh, you know, uh, podcast form on MP3, or maybe you've decided to, you know, listen to this while wearing a sleep mask, I don't know, you know, watching the live stream first time, is of course none other than my very good friend, the Soul Doctor. Hello, hello. It is I. Uh, Shadon, how are you, my friend? It's uh, lovely to see you. And uh, I, I sorry, I'll let you actually I, answer that I, I question. I am well Go. because I have this giant beard. <laughs> I'm, I'm a man of simple pleasures and simple tastes and oh. simple needs, and you know it all works. So cheers, everyone! Happy Friday. Love to podcast on a Friday, so good. And I mean, I know it's what we do on the regular now, but like, it's still so great. Uh, also, hi everyone. Uh, I hope that you are doing as uh, as well as you can be and i hope you're as safe and healthy as you can be um the youtube chat is working so once we went live <laughs> it's able to like do it i was we've been testing shit with this obs and this stream for like half an hour shadon 40 minutes more like shadon's been so patient with me and we've been testing like the resolution and also trying to get the YouTube chat to work, which it didn't for the whole time. Always the YouTube monkey would appear with his throwing you know, poop everywhere, toolbox, as, as monkeys do, you dumb know, hat. <laughs> Being like, oops, something went wrong. But as soon as we go live and yeah. I refresh it, it there works. We so I would have been able to like if the so if the fonts suck, you know, if it's too small, I'm sense? having trouble reading it. Um, then we're fine. We're it's fine. Not we're fine. Sans. We're fine. Maybe I'll just we're good. I'll just make I mean, it you, you did say it was OBS after all that was responsible for all your all your woes, and if you look at the acronym, therefore, uh, well, BS, you know, in the OBS, just just saying, the, the, it writes itself, you know, it's truth in advertising kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Doc has been here working really hard. He's literally been hitting the thing with a wrench. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, just duct taping going on. You know, bit of a bit of PVA glue. I wanted to upgrade us, but it just wasn't. Well, you know, we're, we're you know I the, couldn't the get clues it to work. In the name Worry Desho, probably a bad podcast. You know, we can't be upgraded. <laughs> that's going to be our Definitely. that's going to be our new tagline. No, we cannot be upgraded. <laughs> if we if we, we if we, we cannot if we go to four K, if we ever. made personal computers and motherboards, <laughs> like you know, there'd be no expansion slots on it. It just it would just be like it just have the words lol nope on it or something like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like you're you're stuck with this scuzzy oh, cable whoa, 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 forever. That, man, that's a blast from the past. What the hell next? You say like, we're we're gonna start handing you out go. our yeah. uh, you know podcasts on uh, five and a quarter inch floppy disks. I don't know how we're gonna make that happen. It'll probably a text scratch. It'll be a text tan- transcript. We'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, archaic, uh, you know, obsolete computer systems aside, uh, we're here, of course, today <laughs> to talk about a new show that's out that's been voted on by our lovely patrons. Thank you very much for your participation in helping us choose this. Uh, it won out in the end over yes. Skate the Infinity, uh, which I'm actually kind of glad about because if I take the name as given, that means it's a show that will just go on forever, and I'm not ready for that. I mean, obviously, the way I call it Skate the Finite, that would be a bit lame. But anyway. <laughs> 
That would that be that be quite <laughs> That'd bad. Be bad. Um, yes. And of course, that means I'm no longer can use my Avril Lavigne jokes either. But I'm okay with that uh, because instead we're covering Hori Mia, which Aww. is a slice of life uh, romance rom com affair kind of thing. You know the the usual stuff. Uh, bar patrons helped us pick this because they wanted us to try and delve deeper into the show as opposed to Skate. Which I mean, not to dismiss that show as being bad or anything like that. I I no, I it rules. Just went Skate with the, rules. Uh, <clears throat> I just went with the, uh, you know, what the patron said. It's like, yeah, let's go, you know, and, uh, let's go have, a, have a look at it. So, yeah, we're going to get inside in a moment. Um, Doc is, is, of course, going to go through creatives. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the show itself. We're also going to go through patron questions, of which we have a very small cornucopia, a word I don't get to use often enough. Uh, I would, I, you know, love to use that a bit more. But, um, yeah, we're going to get inside in a moment. One thing I'll note while Doc is still, uh, you know, tinkering, while he's still tightening the nuts and bolts, is that this is our second stream format. That's right. And for those of you who might be new to it, might be catching on the free swear and wondering how this is different than our regular format, um, when we do second stream, we don't do a plot summary of any sort. Even not the, uh, you know, two-minute one, which I know Doc uh, valiantly tried last week with Wonder Egg Priority. He gave it a really good go. You, it was an A for effort, mate. That was... That, that was terrible. That, if it I could, terrible. I would give... <laughs> It's the worst one we've ever if, done. I, don't worry, I stand by your, that. You'll get your time, like you know, to have your vengeance on me and ask me to sum up the next couple of episodes of Wonder Egg. <laughs> yeah, you can just uh, rub your moment. hands with glee. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, there is going to be no plot summary. We will provide context to talking points and answers to questions where is appropriate. But we're going on the assumption that you've seen the episode yourself. Um, so there we go. And uh, yeah, this is Horamia, not Hornimia. I'm getting that joke out of because I know you've made that joke. <laughs> that's the that's that's to Horimiya as cells at work black is to cells at work just to point that out um you know okay but anyway uh i'm i'm uh i'm ignorant of the of the uh the cell cinematic universe so that joke went over my but hopefully i know son of rackham in chat he understands uh he is uh he is hip to the cells cells averse so <laughs> that joke was just for him um, but, uh, before we get really started, there's a couple things I wanted to say. Um, firstly, I'm really, really happy that people chose this show for us to look at, um, and cover here. I was watching it regardless, but like, uh, d- d- um, independent of it, like fucking ruling, which it does. I mean, it's. It's so good. I I love the show dearly um, already. Um, but independent of that, I think it provides uh, at least me with a nice like balance. We're talking about like Wonder Egg and the really fucking just some really um, dark and, and dire human emotions and like parts of like the, the teenage experience. Like this is such a nice like you, you, need, uh, you need your comfort food from that like the, re, to a reminder that there's like joy and like innocence and sweetness and goodness mm-hmm. and humanity in the world. It's just it's so it's great. And then the other thing I wanted to say was like I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've asked you this before. Um, maybe you know we've been podcasting oh for over five years. So, what have we done with our lives? What have we been doing? <laughs> we, I could have learned rocket <laughs> science. <laughs> ah. 
could have gotten a graduate degree. I could have started a successful FTSE 100 company with a grant from my parents that I never actually... Wait, no, yeah, fuck that. No, okay. Yeah, five years, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things up maybe and hopefully ask oh. you something I haven't asked you before. Um, so, like, in terms of anime rom-coms or romances do you do you judge them any differently than other shows because i kind of feel like maybe we did talk about this a little bit with given because in my head i kind of do to a certain extent because i feel like i don't know they're just sort of not going for the same things or maybe exploring a lot of the same territory that a lot of the shows we look at on here you know these are not like i mean there's like there's meat on the bone in horimiya there's a lot for us to talk about just like we did in yesterday and given i don't know but like it, it but still like there's these um i don't know the romance itself like it's just this roller coaster and it's like how do you compare this though to something like like penguin drum or uh, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a non-Ikuhara work or like Vinland Saga. or They're just going for these different things. And yet, I feel like Horimiya and to some extent yesterday and certainly given like taps into like my emotional core and presses the button. It, it's, it's hacked. <laughs> it's me. hacked the planet. And it presses my emotional <laughs> it's buttons. Planet, so. Yeah, oh, it's, it's hacked um, my brain. Well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, and I think the answer is no, I wouldn't judge it in the same way I would judge like a more serious dramatic work because to analogize, like, you know, if you want to assess someone's proficiency at, say, mathematics, you give them a maths paper. This is not, by the way, a, a prelude to mm-hmm. like any talk about like exams being shit because they're not, like, let's, let's not go there. You just, you understand where I'm coming from. But then, of course, if you want to assess someone's, you know, creative writing ability, you don't then give them the same math paper. You have to approach it from different standards. You know, you have to get, assess things with uh, different tools, with different objectives in mind. Like, if it's a rom-com, for example, it's got probably, you know, two primary emotional goals, which is to make you laugh and to make you feel warm inside, I would say. Seems reasonable. Uh, whereas, I I think that, you know, like you mentioned, yeah. for example, Vinland Saga, like, I think that that did make me laugh a couple of times, but I wouldn't call that the primary goal, shall we say? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Vinland, Vinland <laughs> no. Saga certainly was not no. a musical comedy, although I really hope that Makoto Yukimura actually does write that version of it someday. Ask a lad, ask a lad, he's now your actual dad. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but that's terrible um but so but we will we rate them with the same well the five point, point scale, scale is arbitrary you know? anyway i mean i let, let me be honest here folks listening at home like if you take like if you put more value in our ratings at the end than the actual discussion that preludes them then you're, you're doing it wrong like they're just more like a quick summation of what we've already said um and I wouldn't take them as anything meaningful in the same way you wouldn't take like a numeric score as anything meaningful without the qualitative discussion to go with it. So yeah, I'm saying you know we'll do the we'll do the five star racing as normal. We'll throw in the jokey bits with that and all that. But honestly, the thing you want to pay attention to is the meat of our discussion. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think that's mm-hmm. well said. Okay, so from there. Uh... 
should we plug the oh, Patreon? Because uh, is it, is it there leaking? might be people listening to this is the pa- after is the, the fact. <laughs> people are getting away. <laughs> I should. I should. It's leaking yeah, in, once the, you've signed in the, the future. Patreon, there is no escape. I'm sorry, but you're going to be financing my, uh, you know, my addiction yeah. to uh, alcohol for the rest of your days. No, I'm kidding, of course. Um, so, Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Rory Desho. What can you get if you sign up to our Patreon? Well, apart from our eternal gratitude and admiration, because you're an amazing person who wants to support us financially, you also gain access to, you know, three different tiers of increasing benefits and returns. Uh, you can get yourself on the $2 tier, which you must already probably be on if you listen to this on the premium. We found free swear. $2 tier gets you access to our Discord. You can ask questions about our Stream of Thought series that we're covering, which in this case is One Dreg Priority. Uh, you can take part in all sorts of stuff like that. Um, tier 2 is our uh, Can of Money tier. Uh, you know, after amazing, amazing breakout character, Kanamori. Or who may as well just call her Can of Money, to be honest. Um, but, yeah. but, uh, she, sorry, she, mom is talking about the, <laughs> Big this, uh, this tier gives you access to our second stream, which of course is currently Horimiya. You also get the chance to pick future second streams with us, you know, help us decide that. Uh, and you can ask us questions about the second stream podcast as we go along through our discord. Cause you also get the, bun- the tier, tier one benefits bundled in. And then finally, of course we have our, you know, Viking experience tier, the, you know, the Ascalad, you know, <laughs> I got I got nine nine jumps guards, but a Viking eight one kind of thing. Whatever you are called, yeah, straight out of Vinland. Straight yeah, out of Vinland. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's that's that tier, <laughs> and that gets you access to our Desho the Third podcast series, which this season will be on Girls Last Tour, and you get to ask us questions about that as we go along as well. So do check that out. Uh, feel free to drop us some money um, if you have you know if you got going spare and you want to see us support. Uh, goes to things the money goes to things like our hosting fees on like a couple of services, and on top of that we also contribute a slice of our revenue every month to uh, the new anime making system previously, uh, which is previously known under other name as the Anime Dormitory Projects. So it's always good causes and good places. There you go. Yes, very good. A- anime Dorm Projects still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Different different projects. Uh, concurrently going. Same funder and lead person. Uh, Junsan. Uh, but yeah. Uh, thank you, Shadon. Alright. Let's get into it, though. Get into holding ho, 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 very yes. excited to talk about this. So <laughs> I'm gonna say shit. Why did that make me laugh? I'm such an easy laugh. It's sad. Okay. Uh, Horimiya, uh, aka Horisan to Miyamura kun, uh, is a man or was, I should say. Well, you, you, made, know what? you it made, still made it sound like you made it sound like all romantic the comedy had been thrown on a fire. <laughs> it was a manga until it got banned. Yeah, it's been confiscated. For witchcraft. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the library war anime that's about this manga um by the way library war is fucking mm-hmm. good we should watch that together uh so uh yeah this is this rom-com manga that was 10 volumes self-published in square enix from 07 to 2011 by uh someone who simply goes by the name hero <laughs> Simply hero, no, and like not like hero oh, like H I R O, but like hero like that, that you know the Jet Li film. Because I've I've encountered a couple of characters in my time named Hero who are all terrible. <laughs> there, yeah. Well, that guy, the guy who has a an emote in our Discord, is spelled with two E's. Hero, Yui. But this is not this is not Mister Yui Yui San. This is just Hero again, like the Jet Li film. Uh, no other name. 
um, his his uh, his Square Enix published manga. And I got to tell you, uh, people, there might be manga devotees out there, but the cover I'm looking at on the Wikipedia page looks fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate the way the character designs uh, that was, they look. That was drawn by they look awful. Hero Drew that uh, when he was under an alter ego known as Zero. Uh yeah. <laughs> um I think like oh no, did I did I close it? Um was that, must have been, it was a reflex. You, oh, you were no. so offended by the R, you just closed it down. <laughs> Yeah, so I think uh, I just one of the first things I wanted to say was actually uh, to shout out the character designer of the show because man, <laughs> I think it's just this massive improvement when you on spin straw into gold, making <laughs> the yeah making the character designs appealing. It's uh, Haruko Izuka. And she uh, did the character designs. Like, there's a bunch of stuff here. But I'll tell you that, um, well, she's also, like, an uh, uh, animation director and uh, key animator. In fact, she's the chief animation director for Horimiya up to this point. Has done character design for Idolmaster. But what I knew her from was the Little Busters Mm. anime adaptations. She's the character design there. And, like, that was like, oh, "Oh, yeah, these do look like the Little Busters. So... Uh, I think she crushed it on and helped make this way more palatable. Um, and I'm not the kind of person that usually is like character designs make or break it. I mean, if the show is good, I'll watch it. I think uh, if like the the substance of it beyond the design work, I, I will still. I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of the violence of Hamlin television series for God's sake. But um, but yeah, those are some rough looking <laughs> characters. It's <laughs> there. Um, there's also an OAV. That apparently is still ongoing. Like there are four episodes, but it says that the, instead of the release date being 2012 to 2020 or something like that, it's 2012 oh, to present. Oh wow, that's really that's not on like Mega Man intro logic. There, they should have just replaced it with 20XX. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's like the giant Robo OAV, which came out over a period of like ten years, <laughs> seven episodes, but uh. The TV series, of course, we know is a 2021 winter uh, show produced by yes. um, Cloverworks. Titans they, they're the doing all the things. The I mean, aren't they also doing uh, Wonder Egg Priorities? It turns out different team it'll be, but same studio. Yep. yep. And oh. Neverland 2. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably oh, not my, say anything more God. for fear of uh, going off on a tangent. But Neverland too. Uh, good, good, good for you, Cloverworks. For pre- so, but who who uh, directed this show? Uh, Masashi Ishiyama. That's who. And uh, what has he been up to? So, um, storyboarding and key animation credits in a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to see if he has been a director in anything else. Let me um, traffic control when he was F. in school. And do this in real time. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'll see. Mm, lots of some episode direction. OP uh, direction. Chief animation director of Dragon Crisis. I'm assuming Don't there's a crisis and there may or may not be a dragon. <laughs> 
worked a li- worked on the erased endings. Um, whoa. Okay. Uh-oh. Holy shit. This. Wow. Directed uh, Shinseke Yorai from the New World. Really? Holy cow, man! That's an all timer as well. That is, uh, that's an all time favorite uh, sci fi dystopia. Anything. <laughs> I, um, I, I need that to get on that at some point. Actually, uh, based on that, I'm always down for a good sci fi dystopia. Oh, and and it's so good. We would have a mm. lot to talk about. It's um, it's one of those things I remember. Like when it came out, um, Nick Creamer, aka Bobda, was not like he wasn't working for ANN at the time, so he hadn't blown up and gotten like super busy. And he could like he could talk to the the masses, um, <laughs> plebeians like me. So I remember we chatted a little bit about that. We argued about uh, whether a certain character was morally good or bad. But in the end, you, like we you, had a, you know what's funny a lot you say about talking, talking to that. the masses when you could still do that and. I can't help but think, given some stuff I've seen recently, that maybe talking to the masses is a bad idea these days. This isn't news! Sure. I mean, you Uh, you know, I'm just going to throw out there, if you're one of those people, you might want to get yourself checked for a brain-eating amoeba. Just just going to throw it out there. Just leave it. Just super annoying people are always in and around the Anime News Network. Um, reading it. I don't, not think, I don't think they're reading it. They're not even reading it. Editorial team giving them way too much good. credit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I am. Um, animation director mm. for the girl who leapt through time, which is uh, what a credit. That's a fine, I mean, that's some, fine film. Yes, that's a great. You've seen it. Oh, so good. I really like that. So, have you seen any other Mamoru Hosoda uh, movies? The problem is that. So I was like, I'll hit you. So we got mm-hmm. we got Girl Who Left Through Time. Yes. Summer Wars. Wolf. No. Wolf Children. Um, no. The Boy and the Beast. Uh, and no. Mirai. I think I think that's the complete. Well, but so he did a Digimon movie as well. But have you have you seen the Doc. Digimon movie? Doc. <laughs> I'm sure you have not. I'm gonna. Re- I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna assume I, that. Never mind. If I see the Digimon movie. I'm gonna replace all of my shelving with just copies of it on Blu-ray. No, I have not seen the Digimon movie. <laughs> oh my god. Boku no War Game, I think, is the subtitle of that movie. But it was cool. It was sort of like the story of Summer Wars, but like a sort of light version put in the Digimon averse. Is is an okay movie. Do so did you do you prefer Girl Who Leapt or Summer Wars? I can't Wars? answer that because I've not seen Summer Wars in a very long time, whereas Girl Who Leapt Whereas Girl Left Through Time oh, is more okay, fresh right. in my memory. But I think, generally speaking, I am a sucker for time travel stories that are about, you know, like, the human question of, if I could do things differently, would I? That's what makes time travel interesting, rather than, you know, mm-hmm. the mystery box shit of, we've got all these paradoxes to unwrap to save the world. Like, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> you know, give, give me interesting human drama, like in Erased, yeah. which you mentioned before. At least for the first two-thirds of that show. Yes, wow, wow. yes. Post- Post your favorite memory hosted a movie in chat and tell me why it's Wolf Children. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I want from you. Uh, this this individual also directed the Persona Five uh, stuff. I'm... Been getting been getting a lot of the P Five like in these credits. I never, I never watched I that beyond like. maybe two free episodes, but that's then again that's I don't know. I've got nothing more to add to that. I'm trying to watch it do, do, to do refresh you just my memory on the story. Reaching towards your DS4 so you can play the game instead. 
No, because it will take way more time to play the fucking game. But the game looks better than the anime. Uh, no question about it. The thing that put me off that particular show um, was that I remember, I mean, I'm I'm using the original P4 anime, not the golden version as the yardstick here, where they had some really interesting ad- adaptational mm-hmm. changes that you and I have discussed in the past. Like They clearly thought out like what they should do differently to make it more interesting as a show rather than it when it existed as a game. And when I was watching P5, uh, I think for the couple of episodes I saw of it, I was like, they're not doing that here. They're just basically doing a one-for-one. I'm like, well, why do I care then? Because I'm just going to play the game instead. It doesn't feel like its own, its own unique offering. It just feels like, you know, more of the same. And like, for some mm. people, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're really into Persona 5 and you want to see them again in a different, you know, medium, who am I to tell you otherwise? But I just sure. kind of zoned out after a little bit. I felt that way about the the first Danganronpa anime adaptation. It's very much like here, here's the game, and that one I would absolutely. I mean, the, the game is not super long, so I'd absolutely rather play the game because uh, it's more visually interesting too. Um, I'm glad Gogo Atomic Robot is repping from the new world in chat. That's uh, an anime that deserves to be repped. Uh, but let's talk about the head writer now, uh, Takao uh, Yoshioka. So Yoshioka-san, um, let's see. Is there anything I reckon? There's all there's some stuff I don't recognize or haven't seen. I will say when I sort of the the last days of me going on to Crunchyroll on my phone, I would see a lot of ads for something called Blade Dance of the oh Elementators, <laughs> and I I, 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 I don't is, but I don't but the name composition does not sound there. There's something about names that are overly long like that that just makes things... Mm. <laughs> oh my god. The fucking head... Uh-oh. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god. Doc. What have you found? Mm. Don't don't mm. keep me in suspense here. Mm. Hmm. Don't make me shake you by the shoulders, man. Tell me! <sighs> okay. Yoshioka-san <laughs> wrote was the head writer for and wrote every mm-hmm. single script mm-hmm. of Elfin Lead. I kid you not. I wish I was I wish I was making that up. Oh boy, and there's there's some other credits here, like a lot of high school DxD head writing. People's the familiar I can't say familiar of zero was very popular. I've never seen it. That's there. I'm trying to see Icky Tosin, the head writer. Man, there's like a type like this. Horimiya feels like outside. Oh, this, I can't. This I can't wait lane. for Horimiya to um, meet her. Oh, Mezzo Jesus! Forte. <laughs> nope. I was gonna make it. I was gonna God, make an Elsa lead related <laughs> joke then, but now that you've revealed Mezzo Forte, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just gonna keep on Mezzo walking Forte. and pretend that I heard nothing. You know, like. Uh huh. We we got head writing credit for Queen's Blade Two: colon, uh-huh. The Evil Eye. We got a script credit for Queen's Blade: colon, Beautiful Warriors OAV and. 
the the cherry on top. The scenario writer for Queen's Blade colon the exiled version. This sounds like a descent into anime hell. This is like Dante's this is Dan this is Dante's <laughs> really Inferno, layer by layer going down. What a CV Fuck you now. Oh and then okay, so wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and then some like, you know, wrote some scripts for uh for for letter B. The head writer for Watamote, are you fucking kidding me? Watamote is great. And that, okay, so, and you and the head writer for Your Lie in April, which some people really, really like, and I know, like, there's, like, that feels like, okay, the little bit more of, like, okay, here's, like, a prestige, like, this romantic man, drama you know, This poor person, they, they, I feel like, I want to imagine there's, like, a corollary, like, you know, life problem going on with all this stuff like where they like hey, I'm in the, I'm on top of the world I'm gonna write some like really cool anime and then Elf and Lead like oh shit I've really gotta keep the lights on you know I hope so man but then there's just so much there's fucking Icky Tosin and Queen's Blade and Mezzoforte all the writing they're just like hey uh Yoshioka-san we wanna do a schlock fest like yeah. will you write our sort yes uh... I will do it. you know but look and more, more power to you, Yoshioka-san, well, I suppose. But man, as, you've as long as hot as long shit. as as long as Hori-san's <laughs> hot cousin does not turn up at any point in this show, I will be immensely. <laughs> as long as there's not like yeah, yeah. As long as there's not like a what did Bud, Buggy tell us was in the manga? Isn't there like an arc in the Elfin League no, manga? You, about, I, like, no, 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 no. I, I diapers or some before shit. you said it, and I tried to stop you. You could just leave it there. <laughs> Oh man, Sinron Kagura writing. Sinron Kagura is writing. <laughs> oh, boy, rubbish. <laughs> there are only surprised. two reasons, or multiples yeah. of two. Who knew? That people pay attention to Sinron Kagura, <laughs> and that's not even me mocking it. Yes. Because you know what? And that's Sinron Kagura is on the shade of I mean, what it is. Fine, but like, dude. when I think of when it I think is. of Sinron Kagura, it like is. the first thing that does not pop into my mind is like the exemplary quality of its scripting. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, and I would say the same thing. I'd say the same thing for stuff like Ikitosin. Like, people are, you know, it's like, here is what I am. Uh, I am a show where, like, hot ladies who got a little bit of muscle and can fight and are at, at like, fit, like, punch each other's clothes off, basically. <laughs> sort of Agiba wow. Strip style. Uh, their clothing gets increasingly shredded as they as they fight each other. Uh, in well animated fight scenes, so wow, we we're spending a lot of time on this. But this CV was just it just walloped me over the head. That, uh, but seriously though, like I feel like the same DNA. Jesus, well, the same. there's That's no clothing right. damage like, in this. I could. <laughs> no, no, I could see a through line from like your line, April and Watamote to this. Like I can see some some similar kind of stuff going on mm-hmm. um, I, I, it sounds to me like you know but, someone going but, through like the stages of addiction to drugs like you know while being a rock star and like Horimir is like the you know first thing they release and it's coming clean <laughs> exactly that's a good point so okay um, the the first episode was directed by series director uh, Ishiyama and written by Yoshioka uh, so we'll skip along and talk about, um, oh, I did not, uh, you know what? We've talked so much. Let's save some of these credits for another time. 
because I did not pull all of them. Um, well, there's a lot of Yoshioka. No, I, I would have to pull too many more. I didn't actually end up pulling everybody that I should have. Oh, wait, I just need to pull one more person. It's no big deal. Um, I can do that real quick. So we are going to talk about, just br really briefly, um, the episode direction credits and scriptwriter uh, credits. So episode one, uh, like I said, written and directed by the, the head people. But episode two, You Wear More Than One Face, uh, was directed by um, Yoshiko Okuda. And Okuda um, has been a key animator, prop designer, and an in-betweener on a whole bunch of things. Um, did the character design for Say I Love You. Uh, that's a cool thing. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Animation director for the St. Youngman movie. That's cool. That's a cool thing. Some key animation for Samurai mm, Champloo. So nice, we have an OG nice. here. Um, worked for worked for Gonzo doing some animation for Romeo X Juliet, one of the best mm. things Gonzo ever did. Um, and uh, you know, has worked on Orange, directing some animation. Um, did some key animation on like Paranoia Agent and the Pat Labor Wasted Thirteen movie. Uh, lots of cool cool stuff on uh, on the CV here. Um, and the writer for episode two was Chiaki Nagai. And Nagai-san uh, has gotten writing credits on, let's see, Fate Grand Order, Absolute Demonic Front, colon... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let me give you all the punctuation for this. Fate slash Grand Order dash Absolute Demonic Front, colon, Babylonia can I, dash. Can I, can I just insolute here? That's, yeah. Yeah, of course. Because I saw Always. a trailer for another great uh, great fan daughter. What the hell? Like, I'm already slurring my words, but maybe that speaks to the problem <laughs> I've got here, which is, is there a need for the titles to be as long as they are? I mean, it just... Can you imagine, like, even... Can you imagine even trying to Google <laughs> this stuff? Like, can we not just keep it short and simple? <laughs> fate, like... What if they called it Fake Grand Order 1? Two, three, four. No, they, they need to start changing the, you know, ad, the adjectives. So we've got fake grand order, fake grander order, fake grandest order, fake oh. grand orderer. You know, that's the Uber Eats episode. Yeah. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Fader than fate. Too fast, too fate. You know, too, too fate. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo Drift, fake grand too order. Too fate, too stay night. Oh, you know. boy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Tuesday, <laughs> of course. That's perfect. Um, I think they should definitely adopt this strategy. Uh, or just keep everything the same, but put a, put a number in there. You know, make it fake grand order seven. Absolute demonic front Babylonia. Like, then you know where you stand, you know what I mean? Uh, but maybe they're not connected in that linear I mean, fashion, good luck asking so, someone to watch that film with you, you, know, with you though. Who am I? Like, Hey, hey, yeah. hey, hey, girl, uh, would you sure. like to watch Fate, Grand Order, Absolute Babylonia, Demonic Front, Vanilla, Schnapps, Peach, Ensemble thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, Keep going. Keep going. Uh, That's not the full title. <laughs> you forgot the place. I mentioned Babylonia. Oh, okay. But, yeah. There is also an Absolute Demonic Front in there somewhere, but... Mm -hmm. Oh, well. 
Not that as long as they it's don't... fine. It's fine. They'll know no, what you're talking I don't, about. I don't know what I'm talking about. They'll be like, oh, yeah, about. that fake radio. Of got, course. You, you, of course, I'll come over and watch it. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Oh, God. Uh,. Okay, but aside from that, so we got a Promise Neverland credits, scripts for episode four, five, and nine of season one only, of course. Not this person's not involved in season two. Good job. Um and other than that, like I mean, some Grand Blue writing, some Idol Master writing, you know, Seven Deadly Sins, uh popular shonen thing. Um Episode three, directed by Ryo Kodama. And Kodama, um, uh, again, appears to have a fuck ton of key animation credits. Wow, this is a massive... I should have looked at this beforehand. This is like the biggest CV since... Pick one noticeable credit. Put, <laughs> the biggest CV since Megumi Hayashibara. No. <clears throat> um... I will pick uh, key animation for um, uh, Sweet Boo Flowers, which is a Yuri thing that I that I enjoy. Um, I've never actually seen the show, but I like the manga, so I picked that one. No <laughs> one haven't seen. <laughs> um, a lot of Gundam in here! Hooray! Yeah, key animation for like. Gundam Double O, Gundam Age, Gundam Thunderbolt, which sucks, <laughs> Gundam Unicorn, and Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Oh, some key animation for Monster. That show rules. That's a great show. You might want to read the comic instead. It might The pacing might so feel is, better. Is that also your that uh, story opinion of awesome. The Promised Neverland? <laughs> Yes, my official Watery Desho opinion. Definitely. I'm sorry, I, I definitely, definitely couldn't resist so, and the, sticking the knife in there. That's okay. Uh, Yoshioka-san wrote the script. Uh, and then the, finally, the director for episode... Oh, and episode three is called That's Why It's Okay. It's a great title. And, uh, for Everybody Loves Somebody, uh, directed by... Um, oh boy, Akisa Shibata. And Shibata-san uh, has a smaller CV, thank God, um, directed episodes of uh, Saikano. Um, I think, I don't know how many Saikanos there are. I thought there were only two, but like maybe that's wrong. But two different Saikanos, um, Boring Girlfriend and Boring Girlfriend Flat. Um, Squid Girl Production Advancement. I guess that's like the, the uh, is it Morimiya in... Um, uh, 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 Shirobako. I think that's what that, that role is. Um, Horimiya, obviously. Anything else we know? I, I like to mention W, kind of. I thought that was fun. Oh, big wind-up, season two. Uh, production nice. advancement for that. And Akame Guy Kill, episode seven director, and I'm the only person alive that likes that show and will defend it. Uh, so there... And uh, once again, Yoshioka-san wrote episode four. That was the overly length of, uh, lengthy creative segment. So uh, we're four, 45 minutes in, and we have not answered a single patron question. But we have a lot of them, and we're going to get to cool. it, and it's well, going to be no great. No sound like the present day in that case. Let's get to it. So uh, first batch of questions here comes from Kate Rose. Uh, some of these I'm actually going to stitch together into a single question where they're 
broadly on a similar thing. So first question is, when you first started this show, <clears throat> what expectations did you have? And did your expecta- expectations change afterwards? Uh, I will take this first. I had two kinds of expectations for the show. One, I didn't want it to be shit. That was, you know... I'm going. I'm going in with the uh, the lowest of bars to clear here to start with. Um, but on a more serious note, I mentioned this before when we were talking about like how we approach these shows. Uh, you know, using different tools, different uh, standards, different different criteria. Um, basically, from my understanding, was it was going to be a romantic comedy, not entirely dissimilar from a show I watched from last season uh, called Adachi and Shimamura, which I got to the end of that only the other day, and I thought, wow, no, oh. nothing happened. Oh no! It, <laughs> you didn't it was, like it. It was fine, but I feel like my time could have uh, been better spent. Um, <clears throat> mm, okay. uh, and indeed, is something I'm going to talk about. Funnily enough, in Horimiya, not that I think that Horimiya is wasting my time, uh, but rather just a thing that I want to see happen at some point. Uh, discuss where I want to see the show go next. But rather, um, I want to you know have a good chuckle at it here and there, and also like feel again those warm feelings inside, you know, like, where you feel affirmed by what you see, like you. You feel like an emotional reaction to how the characters are getting along, uh, the budding nature of the relationship, that kind of thing. Um, and my expectations really did not change after that fact. So I thought, well, I'm going in strong on this one. Don't suck. Make me care. Make me laugh. There you go. Fair enough. I, I had like decent expectations because uh, I read about... I don't just go into these things blind, Shadon. Never. Why would you? Why would you do that? Why because it's fun. Expose yourself to risk. Because it, it's fun. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I I read uh, the A N N preview guide reviews, and as I do every season, and the show got pretty glowing reviews, and it got me to watch. And yeah, I mean, and, and of course they mentioned. I think I'm I'm going to talk so much good about this show, but there are like like two minutes at the very beginning mm. where, where you're like oh shit can i can i just <laughs> i i, fuck is this I know be? exactly what you're referring to and here's the crazy thing i am going to defend that but when i say that i'm going to defend it in terms of if it had been used differently this could be a thing because uh, it's going to actually put times with kind of broader criticism and i'm putting quote marks around it because maybe it's not fair for me to criticize the show about it. It's not intending to... Basically, it's something I want to see it do, but it's not doing, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because it might not be wanting to do that, if you know what I mean. But I know exactly which two minutes you're referring to because as currently is in the show, though, if I take my defense away from that, of that moment, um, then I am in agreement. I'm like, why the fuck is this here? I, you know, it's, it's like it's like 100, it's 120 seconds of value-free, like, you know, linear images of happening where something is said that's really stupid. In fact, no, I'll, I'll point it out now. We might as well. We're in spoiler territory. Uh, where yeah. Hori uh, recounts um, one of the teachers, a uh, creepy teacher, saying, you know, like, you, you go, Hori. You go, Hori. Like, you know, flat-chested girls are great. And I'm like... I'm into that, specifically, yeah, and, he says. And, He's like, don't feel so down on yourself because I like, you know, DFC's thumbs up. And then he and walks I, off. And the thing is, right, okay. I've said, I mean, I've said before, like, I'll get into this now very briefly, which is, I've said before, like, you can do, you can have characters do stupid, reprehensible shit if there's a narrative purpose to it. But Hori doesn't even have, like, body issues or anything about herself. Um, 
this is ostensibly no. is, she has different kind of different kind of self-esteem issues but not yeah, those ones. this yeah. ostensibly is meant to be some sort of joke but i'm very sorry to say it ain't funny no kind of creep kind of fucking uh, creep big old kind of fucking <laughs> it was a big old maybe, miss. No, maybe maybe admittedly the teacher was possessed by the reincarnated spirits of a guy who got killed in a car accident who was actually a creeper thankfully he's not shown up since yay but I'm sure they'll br- I'm sure they'll bring his ass back. Um so J Sword uh Rackham um yeah uh Yoshioka well so he's the head writer for all of it so he's supervising all the writing but he wrote the script for yeah episodes 1, 3 and 4. So you know we got to take the good with the bad I guess like that we could be like what the fuck were you doing but then I feel like all the rest of it so good. It's <laughs> so, such it's so good. It's I'm such gonna- an I'm gonna gush about yeah, this show. Yeah, it's such an aberration that moment. I don't, I do not understand it. But anyway, yeah, uh, know, you were saying about your expectations, weird. though, Doc. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I just am ex- I was expecting uh, a, a well-written, um, nice-looking uh, rom-com and something that would hold my attention and and have something to it. And I've been like, I think the show's over-delivered on those expectations. I mean, I I, I am. Uh, <laughs> as longtime listeners, you're gonna be like, "Oh, great! Here's Doc. You know, we heard Doc do this in, in Jeweler Richard and in uh, Given and uh, yesterday. Maybe not yesterday. I don't know if I was so kind of bullish uh, from from the beginning about that show, or or maybe ever, because um, I think this is certainly better than that right now. But man, I'm in love with this dude." I this is it really really good. I think it's totally over delivered on what I thought it was gonna be mm-hmm. from both like the pure sort of pulpy page turner side of things where you're like are they gonna get together are they gonna get together oh I'm turning the pages to see and then also like cinematically there's a lot going on um there and the, these characters have some texture to them like their their kind of backstories are being slowly hinted at and explored it's just Oh, it's so good, man. It's funny. It's really funny. I did not expect to laugh at it. I'll tell you that, but I laughed out loud during the rewatch. I fucking knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> just laughed at the faces and some of the lines. Like, fucking in episode three, there's a part that kills me. I mean, I, if I watched it again, I would laugh at it. It was when, uh, you know, Hori asks uh, Ishikawa and Miyamoto where have you been? Because we were going to do our project over lunch. What have you been up to? And just dead ass fucking Ishikawa just goes, we were on the rooftop reaffirming our friendship. <laughs> what the God hell? Who says that shit? So good, uh, man. Uh, uh, Hilarious. Like some of the, right, really good some, writing. Some of the humor uh, between the, the two main lads, which is Ishikawa and uh, Miyamura, um, like what it also does as well, I think works for this show is that it mocks like the inherent absurdity of of like male on male or cishet male on cishet male interactions. Um, you know, like where it's mm. all about like you know like we can't talk openly about our emotions. That's weird and strange and girly. You know, uh, but right. you know the show takes toxic masculinity. Ta- yeah, that, that old <laughs> right, chest yeah. But it take you know that it uh-huh. mocks that. It's like you know, dude, like. Stop making me say weird things. Like, it's just, it plays on the inherent absurdity of it, which does work, in my opinion. Did I say Miyamoto? 
because I meant Miyamura. Uh, I thought I said Miyamura, uh, but my my fault, Kate. We're gonna, you know us by now. We're the serial mispronouncers of names, even though we definitely, absolutely, one hundred percent know them. Yep. I, I mean, <laughs> I, sure. I agree. I agree with Chat here. We just keep getting them wrong. Unfortunately, it just happens a lot. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, Chuck. Yep. <laughs> um, anyway, next question. What were your first impressions of uh, Hori Miyasan? Oh, it's Hori Miyasan. What the fuck am I talking? That's me definitely mispronouncing. Hori San and Miyamurakun. There we go. How did that change as the show progressed? Um, well, I think that in the case of uh, Hori, like, she was pretty much exact, like, as I thought, which was, she's like, you know, the good looking, like, you know, high school girl. Like, I didn't. It didn't yeah. stick out to me all that much, but I'm not saying that that needs to happen. Of course, I mean there's obviously good bands that happens as time goes on. There's a lot like this late. Like we get to see like she's not like you know exactly. Uh, like she gets embarrassed very easily. She reminded me a lot actually of Morioka from MMO Junkie, where easily flustered. Definitely a couple yeah. moments like that. As for Miyamura, um, this is a good time to loves horror movies. Also, <laughs> yes, she does actually. <laughs> And really she, she's funny. very sinister with them as well, like when she just folds them out like cards. Yeah. <laughs> just like the set is called like Horror Stories 49 colon, it could happen to you. Let's play a game. Poor Miyamoto. Or, fuck, I did you're, it again. I definitely did it that you, time. You, you, Poor you Miyamura. Need, you need a jar. The, Miya, the Miyamoto jar. You I do. Putting, I do. Like, 10 cents. I did it. I obviously did it. I don't know if Kate has now subconsciously pushed me to do it or i was doing Kate, it all Kate's, along but i did de- that's definitely not reduce her patron pledge by a quarter every time you mispronounce his <laughs> name <laughs> um no. anyway anyway um for him um i i i like what they're doing with him but at the same time i I'm, this is gonna get into something i'm gonna talk about later parmy thinks they could be doing more I feel like this show could be doing a lot more heavy lifting with stuff. But again, I have to stress though, like my reaction to this is one of, I would like it to do this, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily right for the material, you know? Um, but yeah. you know, he, ha- he certainly as, as presented, like I didn't, certainly didn't think for a start that he was going to be as hard a man as he was. Like this guy is prone to violence, which took <laughs> me by surprise. I, I mean, characters, characters designed like him who look like his build, for example, I don't think that they're going to like be the ones like, headbutting people for example which certainly took me by surprise <laughs> or you know laying out Ishi- yeah. like if i like, like on paper if i was take Ishi- ishikawa ruled. and uh miyamura and put them like on a page and i was like all right place your bets who will win the fight and like without any prior context i'd be like let's well, be ishikawa isn't it you know this this yeah. guy's you know yeah. this guy's out straight out of revenge of the nerds you know he's <laughs> he you know he's gonna lose but it turns out he's actually quite tough but would it would it change would it change though if like before the fight miyamura slowly like strips down and then you see all the tattoos then you'd be like put it all put it all on oh, Megane man. There. Uh, you, you could be right there um and then of course we learn you know that despite all of his like you know toughness and all that that he still has a side of him where he's where he's very awkward uh, he is scared of horror yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. Like, there's texture and complexity to him. He's not a one-note character. Um, but I do feel there's a certain element of his character design that I really wish the show did more with. And I think this is something one of our questions later will address. But I'm going to okay. save that for when we get to it. Okay. I sort of enjoy the the light, the lighter touch that they're doing. I think, I think that they're striking a good balance between 
um, you know, giving us like good comedy, uh, like charming us, like helping us warm up to the whole cast of characters. Um, and also breadcrumbing and giving us little tidbits of, uh, Miyamura for sure. Um, and then especially in the latest episode, uh, Hori as well. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I guess, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but, uh, I think for me personally, I think that they're hitting, uh, that they've got their thumb on the scale in just the right Mm -hmm. way, uh, for, to, for the tone. Um, I really, really like where it's going and, uh, Man, that fucking headbutt, dude. <laughs> that was like a, a fuck yes, jump out of my Man, couch. I was I, only only in last uh, week's one drag priority episode was I discussing about how I've like you know had to occasionally engage in violence in a school setting. Uh, and if you think I'm if you're going to be a hypocrite, <laughs> like I, I mean, this is going to be a question for later. But as far as I'm concerned, yeah, that's that's fucking street justice right there. Just not on the street as it turns out. Uh, fuck you, Sengoku. Gaslight you. prick. <laughs> You suck, dude. Oh yeah. man, we'll God. get we'll get to him. We'll talk about him. Okay, yeah, we, we definitely we... will. Worst hair on the show, straight up. Oh my God, <laughs> uh, we'll 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 get to the uh, fucking ginger turnip that he is later. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else to add about your impressions of Hari Seven <clears throat> Miyamura? Good. Oh, I mean, um, I think I just sort of was along for the ride, and they were what the show uh, wanted them to be. You know, the sh- I think it's the show is very straightforward of like. Here's a gloomy dude, you know, he's a shy boy. Uh, and then, you know, the whole point uh, of, well, not the whole point, but I guess a, a big part of what the show is trying to do is be like, man, human beings will surprise you if you take the time to talk to them and get I to mean, know Sengoku them. I mean, Sengoku was certainly surprised. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like st- stereotyping sucks because like, you know, people are going to be this like, Un, unclassifiable in terms of neat and tidy boxes these set of, of beings that are just awesome and like fun and, and great to get to know and you know yeah it shifted with how the show presented them um, and now you know he's just like he's an awkward guy but he's you know I think he's incredibly kind mm. and sweet very straightforward he's a good um, boy like I said this is good has this is thi- good boy seventy eight point yeah. seven. The out, you know, totally. Yeah, <laughs> so tuning in to Good Boy Radio. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like he's like it's straightforward. I think to almost to a fault because I think that's where the his like little outbursts come from. Because like you know, with, with Hori, he is able to just say things where she goes, "Why are you? How could you say that with a straight face? That's so cringy." Um. She's like the first person in a while that he's been able to like honestly talk to and that would listen to him um, express himself. Whereas like I think shit like when he got in a fight with Ishikawa and when he headbutted, you know, this getting into a question later, but like when he headbutted Sengoku, like, I mean, I think it's just like he just doesn't really have that much of it. Like he just expresses himself and like he hasn't really had a lot of experience doing that, but like that was a big emotion. <laughs> and so he just needed to do it. Mm-hmm. He was so pissed. He tells everyone, you know, I did that because I was pissed at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Scary good. dude, but you know, uh-huh. um, 
All right, next question. Um, this again is from Kate. How is this show different from other rom-com slice of life shows you've seen previously? So I suppose I need to lay out my credentials on this one, one of which, of course, is Embo Junkie, of which I think this probably bears the most similarity to. Um, I've also recently finished uh, Kaguya-sama Love is War Seasons 1 and 2, uh, which I really enjoyed, actually. So it's, good. <laughs> that show it's is it's so a show, good. to give you my very short review here, where some of the actual skits in it are really, really fucking lame when you get down to it. We're going to blow up a balloon over and over. It's going to be a game where everyone's like panicking. I'm like, what is this lame shit? This, is, this isn't even worthy for SNL. But the animation and direction and storyboarding of that show go so hard that it makes it work. And of course, it has uh, that show's own version of the Kanamori uh, breakout character mm. in Chika Fujiwara, who uh, is amazing. Oh, Fuji- Fujiwara. She, is she, so good. Or is it Fujihara or Fujiwara? Fujiwara. Oh, that's, Kate, yeah, Kate's yeah, dropping yeah. her patron pledge as we say this, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I only remembered because there's a famous wrestling move uh, named after him, the Fujiwara armbar. Yeah. It's like, ah, here's a there's a mnemonic device I can yeah. use. And then, of course, we've mentioned MMO Junkie. We've also mentioned Given, which I wouldn't actually call a rom-com. I would call it a slice-of-life romance, to be honest, because hmm. I think that... I guess... I, I, but there's ROM and there com. is There is COM in it, but I don't think that's the primary goal of it, if I'm quite honest. It doesn't feel like it's me, but maybe if I, I should go back and have a look. Yeah. There. No, that's I think that's fair, though. You're right. I think you're right. Um, the COM nor the ROM is like, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe Slice of Life is the right yeah. way to classify But all that. this dancing... It's a show about a band. That's true. <laughs> uh, all this dancing around with mentioning these shows, though, misses the core idea which is that there are various like i think when you're writing this sort of stuff, various knobs and dials if you want to call them that, that you can use to adjust the level of something so you know in a in like given for example there is calm as you say but there's a very tiny amount of it um oh not even a tiny amount but there's a, there's a small amount uh no, there yeah. is slice yeah. of life of which there is a moderate amount uh, there is also tragedy, of which there is a certain amount. You, you can see like how there's different levels of stuff. You could chart the shit out. He felt so inclined. Sure. Um, Kaguya Samba uh, is for the most part all comedy. Like that's where the dial on that is turned up to. There is some genuine totally. emotional moments. Like there's actually a subplot involving uh, it might very well be also named Ishikawa, the nerdy kid in the student council. I can't remember his name offhand. Um, which re- oh yeah the yeah uh... <laughs> uh, which is right, not too right, far right. removed actually from what happens to uh, Miyamura like at least in terms of like ostracization at a younger age leading to how he feels currently so there's a bit of drama but that one is mostly down upon the comedy and Mo Junkie mostly comedy but also more slice of life not so much on any of the tragic elements like in fact that was my complaint about Mo Junkie that some of the tragic elements that should have been brought up in it were downplayed like why is Mori Mori why is Mori Mori-chan, you know, in such a situation, you know, what causes us to quit a job? We never fucking find out. Right. Uh, what happens to her after the show concludes? Because she still doesn't have a job. We don't find out. It's immaterial. And I feel like that's wasted. Um, so, hmm. if you're going to make comparisons between this number of shows, you kind of need to have a think on what is this show saying out to accomplish in terms of what it wants to, you know, do in all these various areas? And is it, like, optimized for, for lack of a better term, for meeting that? And I think that this one is slice of life, mostly with I'd say more so than comedy. I don't because I think in part the direction tells me that. Like Kaguya-sama, like as mm-hmm. a comparison point, the direction really helps sell the comedy in that. Whereas there are comedic moments. You've got like little chibi faces and stuff like that. You've got some other music moments with her. I can't remember the other girl's name. The one who's got her like long sleeves, where like she starts chuckling to herself. You know when uh 
Hori's asking about what the oh, fight yeah, is. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's her, like, That's moment. a great moment. <laughs> 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 or is it who, who, who? Something, like I don't that. know. It's so it's good. Great. She, she, big, Man, well, I can't remember her big name. Big Stu I wish, yeah, type it. Um, but, like, I, so I think it's mostly Slice of Life. I think then, then it's probably evenly divided between uh, actual drama uh, and comedy, I would say. But I think Slice of Life in itself is a thing that you can have where it's just a dramedy. Dramedy, yes. <laughs> we'll call it that. Um, and in that case, I think it's so far succeeding, but I feel like there's room for expansion for it to do more with the material it's got. But again, I have to stress, like I've said, yeah. what I'm going to talk about later with respect to this is my personal disappointment, quote-unquote, with it. Uh, because, I mean, that means I don't like it. I do like Horamia quite a lot. But um, that's just me. And again, if the show's saying out to do a very specific thing, it's not fair for me to say, well, I didn't do this. I mean, you know, I didn't, ex- I, you know, there's a reason that Berserk doesn't have comedy in it, for example. Not really, even though it comes in fits and spurts here and there in the Golden, in the golden Age. <laughs> but, I, but I'm not expecting it to suddenly also turn to a musical. Like, if I complained, oh, I wish I had a musical element. So you'd be really right to say, well, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, it's not meant to be a musical, you idiot. Griffith just doing when you're a jet, you, you're a jet all oh the way. Oh, God. It'll be bad. That'll probably be for the fucking cor, cor, was it Was it Korska? Who was the annoying guy? You know, with the, the black hair who was always like, Guts, you suck. You're the worst. Even though everyone else is like, You're the man, dude. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. But anyway, that doesn't fucking matter. Um, uh, so the question was, how does this compare to other similar shows? Uh, I mean, I just, I feel like I haven't really seen enough of them to be like, oh, this is sort of structure structurally like this or that show. Um, so I will just say like, in terms of, I guess the feelings, like, I don't know, like I, I don't know if I've felt quite as strongly about, um, a rom-com in a while, like just a, a straightforward rom-com. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I mean, because we haven't covered a ton of them. Um, I think, I think I would have to go all the way back to like whenever I watched like, um, golden time and, uh, Toradora. Uh, and obviously these shows are not structurally similar to that, but that's where I remember feeling so invested in the characters and the romance. So yeah, I, I like this a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Fair enough then. Uh, next question from Kate is, was this show on your radar before it aired? Why or why not? Um, the truth is, I no. do not pay attention really to what's coming next. I, ca- Me I kind of just find out and then just, as you say, Doc, go in blind. Yep. I had at least some notion from what people had like said that it was good or was reasonable but i otherwise just kind of went into it completely cold and in part i think i'm gonna have to say like as much as i like the character designs and such like there's nothing that really sticks out or strikes me as like setting it apart from other things of its ilk if you know what i mean Uh, that's not a complaint you know i don't like it just looks on the out from the outside very standard um Hmm. 
I can see that. Like, if you look at the key art, you're like, oh, great. It's. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, on Funimation, for example, like you have, of course, the uh, pain, like all the posts or whatever you call it for the show. And it's just all the characters yeah. on there, like with their faces. And this, I'm like, this doesn't tell me anything about it. It's the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's the, like, it's poster, a guess who yeah. board. I'm like, I don't know. Horimiya Squares. Yeah. So. It, <laughs> Uh, but that's that's yeah. the fault of advertising rather than the show proper. Let's be fair here. Yeah, I don't take a lot of time to like research beforehand, like what's coming out, because I feel like that's just a road to disappointment. Like you invest in like something and then you watch episode two. one, and, <laughs> and you're just like, I mean, if, 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 if you've read the manga, that counts as research, all right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sure. But, like, you know, you're like, oh, man, this is by, like, that character designer and that one writer. Like, it might be cool. There's, like, a handful of people, you know, your your Ikuharas, your, um, uh, I can't remember the name, I, uh, the Mob Psycho writer-director team, you know, Hiroshi Seko. Science Saru. If, if, is, if, is if, if Science Saru's pointing something out, then I'm going to. Yeah, Masaki I'm, I'm Uasa. Absolutely, if, if Masaki Uasa. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm absolutely on. paying attention yeah. to that. Yeah, stuff like that, like really huge kind of names. Then I'll definitely, I'm like, okay, like I'll watch this without reading if it's good or bad or whatever. But otherwise, yeah, I just rely on like seasonal guides from a couple websites to sort of steer me in the direction of what are the good premieres. And like I miss, I miss some stuff that way, but I also feel like I, I managed to catch most of the quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Next question is, uh, in terms of animation and direction, what are this show's strong points and where do you think it's weak? I'm going to be honest here. I don't think any of it is bad, but I don't think a lot of it really stuck out to me either. Um, Ooh. Mm. Uh, so I I really like the... I think there's sort of like a sheen of polish mm. over the characters and it the lo- show It in looks general. good, don't get me wrong. It looks really pretty. And it animates well, you know. But so I, I mentioned this earlier. I think there's some cinematic stuff going on that I think is cool. And that so there are, you know, the shot, the staging of of the shots. I think is always really good in terms of like how the characters are spaced and how they're relating to each other. But I really like, and you get these in, you get these shots in episode one. And I think throughout, there's one, at least one in almost every other episode, but there there are these shots when uh, Miyamura and Hori are talking, and the background kind of goes white and fluffy. Yeah, and then the shadows And their shadows are colorful, and they kind of, the shadows will move around them. And I think the way that I read this was, and it was because of the first line the first lines, rather, uh, that they spoke um, when those scenes were happening, it was when, you know, uh, Miyamura was like, you know, I really like that, like, when, that I am the only person yeah, in, in our great, school that gets to see, see you like this. Because it's like, it's like this moment was made for you and yeah. me. And that sort of, so the way I read when whenever this happens is like, the two of them are having a moment that almost exists outside True of time, colors. like kind of an They're, eternal moment a, that they'll yeah. remember forever and ever. And because you, because the shadow moving around to me is like, 
it's like time is passing in the background around them. Like it's obviously still passing in a sense, right? Because I mean, we are these physical beings that exist in this world mm. where time moves forward, or, or uh, what even is time? But like, uh, but they're sort of removed from that, and that moment will always kind of be what it is forever, regardless of the march of time. So that's how I read that, and I thought that the visual language happening there was so kind of beautiful. And I love the way that they did that. And it seemed really clear to me that that was what was going on. So like in terms of direction, that move, I love. I, I, <laughs> I, think I, that's I, just I admit boss. maybe I, I'd overlook that. I think you could also read that possibly also as a true colors kind of thing. Um, lit, quite literally mm-hmm. even maybe, you know, get to see this more colorful side of someone that might be contrary to their outer nature as they present themselves. Um, which indeed is a running theme of this show, which is, you know, and indeed is exemplified in that line, which I really, really like, by the way, which is, uh, I get to see a side you no one else does, you know, and indeed one of the episodes is your, something called like Your True Face, or whatever it is, something like that. I, I remember the, the title of something yeah. that was like that. Um, you wear more than one face one. as episode there two. There we go. There yeah. we go. And in all honesty, like, um, yeah, I, I'll admit my... Maybe I missed stuff on here, but I think that it just didn't strike me all that much. But that, but, that's but that, fine. But, yeah, sometimes it doesn't but hit that, you. By no means does that make <clears> it bad, though. It was likable enough. Um, it was certainly colourful. Like the like the, the chibi faces when they were used, like the big blobby faces, were used appropriately. Oh. Like they weren't excessive. So they good. Were used well. Um, I it works. It's good. It's not anything that sticks out to me beyond maybe what you've just your very solid interpretation there of that particular moment. But no, it 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 does the trick. It, it works the the chibi faces and then like <laughs> there's uh there's a <laughs> there's one time where like hori just has it becomes a no face that, she's yeah. like everything is normal except every feature is removed from her face and she leans can i can i pout that we of course need to talk about the egg scene oh uh, it's egg yeah. time this is gonna be con- very confusing <laughs> no, no it's, there's nothing confusing oh. about it all uh me and Moro just wanted to get home to watch the latest one direct priority there you go there yeah. you go. I will say another visual, another little touch upon rewatching was um, when, so it's in episode one again, and it's after uh, Miyamura has been at her house. Um, and then sort of they start doing this thing where Hori, I, I can't remember exactly, but it's like, it, it's like you think she's reminiscing and remembering how she used to think of Miyamura or how other people used to think of him or how conversations they've had. And he's framed by these dark clouds and it shows him kind of laying his head on his Mm -hmm. desk surrounded by the dark clouds. But then Hori steps into the shot and those clouds kind of go away Mm. and uh, the, the kind of normal colors return. And it's like, no, this is the present. She's really thinking about this now. It was. I thought it was just a really nice transition. You know, there's something else I'll bring um, up that there's some cool stuff like strike that. me, which was um, there is the group activity scene where Miyamura has historically been left out of group oh, activities, um, which I'll discuss later. Um, yeah, that's a big. But one. I love how like when they're putting all of the desks together to ta- start talking about chemical reactions, which I'm fairly certain that he and Dahori could talk a lot about. You know. Um, that all of the desks being put together look like puzzle pieces coming together. It works. Especially because yeah. of the overhead view of it as well. 
Man, that scene fucking God. We you know, look, we talked about we talked about with Wonder Egg and with other shows before, like, oh, we kind of see our younger selves in this, mm-hmm. like uh sort of more the tragic elements um of our um uh, adolescence and young adulthood. Um but I really felt that here, which is why I was very like pleasantly surprised to find that not only did this writer write Elf and Lead, that garbage, uh, but it was an adaptation, of course, but also wrote Watamote, which I really saw myself in, my younger self. And like, and I feel that to a certain degree with Miyamura here because, you know, my later high school experience, and he's a senior, so like I, I had some friends, but I also remember struggling with a lot of like the the self-doubt he has and the self-esteem issues like are these people really friends with me yeah like are they just being nice to me like do i really belong like i didn't really feel that sense of belonging with a group (sighs) of people until i got to university and then of course when i got married you you know um i and then this show speaks to me about married life in some ways as well but but yeah Uh, like uh, miyamura's like high school like and middle school, like that transition, like there's just so much there that I want to talk about. But you, you yeah, go I, I, I feel like I should leave Flair when we get to that because that's something I still struggle with even to this day. Um, I exist in I, I exist in circles of friends, for example, where our tastes uh, do not really overlap. Like I'll talk, for example, to people I've known since high school about, hey, I like anime, and like I'll try to bro, I'll try not to bring up the more eclectic stuff shall we say like i once tried like in the middle of the pandemic when uh we could still go to pubs briefly during the downtime before everything went completely to shit again i actually was in a pub with a couple of friends uh that i've known since high school um and they're not into anime whatever you know never have been never will be and so i tried to explain show again rako rako shinjo to them because i thought as far as the topic goes as far as subject matter is concerned that's strictly more of a historical biopic kind of thing. That could be interesting. That could be a way of not making them like anime so much as to make it understandable from my perspective, like why I delved into this medium. Uh, and they just kind of looked at me like I was going side speak simlish or something. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. Fair play simply. But I have asked that question many times. Like I travel a lot of different social, so, social circles, some of which I, you know, feel like I exist in band others. Friends I've known for decades, I'm like, do I belong here? Like, I don't like a lot of the same stuff they do, but, well, I do belong there because we have a core understanding and a core connection that goes beyond simply liking all of the same things all the time. You know, like we're better for our differences than not. But it's still something I struggle with every now and again. And that, to me, is like one of the key things I think the show really <laughs> got me about. And it also, again, speaks like how, again, you said we talked about Wonder Woman Piracy about, like, there is a certain universality to experiences, regardless of age. Context obviously mm-hmm. changes dramatically. Like, I'm not in high school anymore. Um, but there are certain elements of, you know, like forming relationships, all that sort of stuff. Like, um, also, you know, dealing with where you belong in a social circle that still are relevant even as an adult. And that's why I think we ultimately consume these shows, even though we are nowhere near close to being in the same age, location, you name it, as the characters in the show because their experiences still speak to us no i'm, I'm like akira from suritama i make my my class introduction i'm 36 years old i look forward to get along well with you this year I, well i'm i'm um, actually 37 now but well i'm i'm steve buscemi how do you do fellow kids 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, yes. exactly. Totally. Uh, <clears throat> but no, yeah, I think I think you hit it dead on. And we'll we'll get into more details on all this because I think we probably both have um, some points to make. Oh boy. About this aspect of the show. I, I, I do too. Just as much as uh, me and Mora has points to make. It is here with a rusty fucking safety pin. That's oh. not sanitary. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I, We need to get Grizzly uh, because like he was like, oh yeah, that's like me and all my friends did that. And I was just like... What? That's oh, like a man. thing? What the fuck? Um, okay, next question from Kate. Do you think Hori-san is emotionally immature, or is it that Miyamura-kun is somehow better able to communicate more clearly and maturely? I need to put a, pro- a bone of contention about this show out there um, in order to answer this question, which is... Part of my problem is I don't think we get a strong enough sense of who Hori is prior to her starting to interact with... Um, Miyamura, because I think the answer to this question is that she's not emotionally immature more that Miyamura puts her off guard. No. Um, you know, there are many different faces to people and she's not having to show one to him, that, or rather wants to show one to him, that she's never really shown anyone else. But the problem with that is we need a strong sense of contrast to who she is as a regular person. Um, my And this ties into my complaint also that I'm going to get to later about Miyamura's depiction as an alternative kid, quote-unquote. Um, and the, okay. like, to me, visually, Hori just seems like, you know, your regular, like, you know, class president kind of girl who I'll go with that, like, but I don't have a strong enough sense of who she is prior to her starting this, um, relationship, not even, like, in terms of romantic, but just, like, friendship, whatever you call it, with me and Mura, that the contrast doesn't work for me, therefore, like, so it's hard for me to even say like what her baseline is really, especially in like wider society. I feel like we should have had more time with that, but I don't know how to mm. done that merely. Um, yeah, but no, I think you can just take like a like a cardboard cutout, whatever you're thinking. Like I think it even works when you take in your brain stereotypical high school girl and contrast the image we get of Hori with. Miyamura at home with that and just like wow and we I think we get to see a little bit here and there of like of of the kind of person that that she is in school like kind of independent of of all that but like um yeah I think I think you could just do that and have have a sufficiently like a working contrast um but I under I understand your complaint um, despite not sharing it, yeah, I think it, I think it just would have been better to have her feel more distinct because I feel like she's almost a kind of like at least as presented in how she acts in school as a bit generic. And oh man, I hard disagree. No, I feel like I really know no, her. No, 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 no. But maybe that's because no, I know her. That's at home. that's why Mino. I'm talking strictly in terms of school here. Very like regular sort of thing, and that in itself can be uh, an intentional part of the show if it is brought into sharp contrast with home um but that's where i say that i said before like uh i feel like the show could be doing more heavy lifting and it's not yeah but that's miles not being the point of the show so yeah eh. well we know she's a popular girl and that you know she's well liked you know because boys from other schools want her phone number like you said she makes straight a she's hard working mm. she has a lot of friends um she's always talking to different girls uh outside of her friend group um she always can't do things with them because she has to take care of her brother. So 
she is kind of, in addition to being a good grades person, always probably given an air of responsibility. Um, that's why the student council leans on her to do things. So, I mean, I think that there there's a characterization there that doesn't feel generic to me. But, um, but again, like I, it's hard for me <laughs> to like separate uh, the the two Horries. I don't even want to do that, mm-hmm. right? Because like, they're the same person. Because like I feel like the thing. It's funny, like. Uh, the pink pigtailed haired lady. Oh, she's uh, it's like, Oh my oh, God, you're nothing. She's the worst, but she's like, you're, you know, Miyamura and, uh, and Hori are a bad match. They're nothing like each other, but it's like, actually <laughs> little do you know, little do you like, know. God, that they, they are these people that like just sort of are who they are to a certain degree without like, they kind of don't, care about like typical high school boy and girl taboos and boundaries in terms of social like you know hori has enough social capital to like go and talk to miyamura without suffering any kind of irreparable reputational damage um and miyamura like you know he starts making friends and stuff like that but he's like i don't know he's just like his weird awkward self Uh i feel like that's a big thing that they have in common is that like I mean, they, they do have these selves that only each other see, but also I think at school, um, I don't know, they don't really put on airs, you know what I mean? They're not really concerned with, like, mm-hmm. climbing the social ladder or, you know, fucking achieving all there is to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like, they just seem they're not, very relatable. They're not interested in revolutionizing the world and breaking the, egg, the shell of the egg, you know? <laughs> exactly. Or, like, going to Koshin. Uh, to play in the the high school world series or like getting into a good college, even though Hori probably will. Uh, Me more though, he's fucked. Yeah, he's fucked. He ain't going to college. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's uh, he's gonna be working at that convenience store with uh, what's his oh, face from the Crow show. <laughs> <laughs> You're a hundred percent right. Fucking hell. It's gonna be like Hori brings home the bacon. God <laughs> I, damn it! I just work at the this part time gig and take care of our child. Man, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll elaborate on more on that later. But um, I do hear where you're coming from, though. So, uh, to be to be fair, Doc. Um, all right. Next question. Um, what do you make of Hori and Miyamura being portrayed as parents slash parental figures to her little brother Sosa? Um. Rules. I don't. I, I so don't good. like. I think it's yeah. I think it's cool. Um, the interesting thing is that Sosa actually serves as the uh, door opener for her to like see the other side of Miro because, like, we of course learn. Thank God. We of course like learn throughout the show thus far that Miyamura, like you know, Jeff even even, <laughs> even before like he um even before he like started styling himself the way he does. Uh, he was still ostracized for no real reason. Oh, yeah. And that's not a fault of the show or bad writing. That's actually very deliberate because, let's be honest here, bullying... It's real. It's, it's yeah. real. And oftentimes it, it doesn't rely on a certain amount of logic, you know, or whatever. Sometimes people mm-hmm. are just cruel. I mean, we talked about some Wonder Egg, like where, you know, there are fact- there, there are factors behind it. Like you come from an abusive household mm-hmm. and all that. But sometimes, like, and particularly for the person who's being bullied, what ultimately the function of the bully, like, or rather the backstory of the bully is what they do is immaterial beyond the actual material the effects it has on them um so <clears throat> yeah i um i think it's neat that sosa sees him in a different way because he treats him just like as really like he sees him as cool like you know his alternative style yeah. to him is like yeah. neat and interesting and then that opens as the mm-hmm. that opens like as the uh point the door kind of thing for Ari to meet him as a person and get to like 
you know, like him uh, for who he is. Um, and as for... Um, imagine if he didn't reach out and grab Miyamura's shirt. Yeah. Because he was leaving. He was like, you know, well, he's your, your little bro's good, so uh, I'm going to see myself out. Yeah. And he could have just walked out of her life forever. But no, like, Soto grabs the shirt, and then Horisa's like, no, 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 you need to come in and uh, have something to eat or whatever. What, what so I would be... Could have all changed. <laughs> what I would be curious about, though, is um, from my perspective... Um, as far as Sosa is concerned, his function in the show is not to be his own character. He's one of those I've said before where no. he exists to advance the plot for someone else. In this case, it's Hori specifically, uh, with a little Miyamura thrown yeah. in. But I wondered to myself, like, if maybe they might want to expand on that later where he grows out of liking Miyamura because, like, you know, he's he's growing up, like, you know, and he's like, you, you were cool, I don't care about you anymore, whatever. Um, now... That could be something to see, like, you know, like whether, okay, now Hori has to find a justification for Miyamura to come visit. Like, you know, they might put pressure on them to advance things. There's potential to be made here to use, to use him differently, but functionally, he's just there at the moment to have served as the foot in the door for Miyamura. That is years down the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. Cause, and I think, like, um, yeah, like you said, so uh, foot in the door. He So I think one of the big things that Hori finds attractive about Miyamura, you know, apart from the obvious, uh, is that, uh, like, his nurturing side. And she immediately kind of gets that with how he sort of takes care of uh, and it becomes like a big brother figure to Sota. And I think she's really into that because it's something that she never got. And we see in episode four, mm. you know, the last time she had a fever... Her mom couldn't stay and take care of her. Mm. Her mom had to like leave and say, "You're always so good at toughing these things out. You know, you'll be okay." Like, mommy, mommy just can't stay. Mommy has you, to you go. You know what's funny? And uh, like, she, which is, I real quick, I just and, and then of course we see in that episode Miyamura take care of her. Then, but um, but yeah, no, I think I think that that. Uh, Again, plays like a big part of it, and no one knows that, so people don't understand why they're yeah. a good match. Yes, well, what the, is fun? The thing is, right, um, that whole thing with her having a fever and not having her mother be around, I'm going to put a pin in that for later, because we were talking before about the universality of experiences, and this show actually makes very good arguments for that, for its own characters, by highlighting like how they were when they were younger versus when they are when they're older, and how they treat diff- the same situation differently. Because of their, have, have how yeah. they've grown up, how they've emotionally matured, what they are now capable of mm. feeling. Uh, and I think that's a really, really powerful element of this show that, to me, is probably its greatest asset. But I'll get to that later. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, next, Crack it next on. question. Um, building on the previous question regarding parental roles, in episode four we see Hori has been put in a position unable to rely on her parents when she is sick or for any other reason except to provide money for living expenses as they're always working. What do you think of this situation Hori is in, and how do you think it's affected her character? I think it's probably one of those things, to be honest, where it's just simply that she's become very capable and dependable, and indeed that ties into her doing the student council stuff. I think that you could put a through line from that to that. Um, yep. But in ter- Overworking and not thinking about her own yeah. well-being. And, in, and in turn, yeah, has left her closed off to, like, you know relaxing a little bit taking things a little easier being more, like more self relying more on self-care people. yeah relying on people which is ironic she never has in which yeah. is ironic given that um 
Miyamura is the one who has the more explicit I can't rely on anyone because people treat me like shit backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think it, I, I mean, like as far as like, you know, how much it's going to affect her character. Like, I think we probably might want to have a little bit more of that develops over time because what we get in the flashbacks, we, it yeah. works for the moment, but I want it to be more, more substantive. I think it will. I think, you know, Miyamura has gotten the lion's share of that stuff in the first three episodes and then we're only on four so i would i would expect us to get more over the next few episodes uh on hori specifically if i had to guess mm-hmm. cool anything else um, okay so what can you repeat the question um, uh an episode four. Oh, how do i think what do you- that stuff affected her yeah um i mean i th- i think yeah i think it affected her profoundly i think it's like I think we're meant to see that scene and infer a lot about her life from that. Like she's always had to be the strong one. She's had to be the second mom to Sota. I mean, we see the fact that like in that first episode, you know, she's walking her brother home cause she can't go to karaoke. And then she hears the girls walking the other way. Like, Oh, karaoke. I love it. It's going to be so cool. Can you come over here? And she looks at them in a way that like, there's sort of an ambiguity there where you wonder if she's thinking, God, I wish that were me or you're thinking, or, or if she's thinking like sort of just realizing that she's different mm-hmm. and not making not having like a tinge of regret. I don't know, maybe both, but like, but yeah, like her life has been one of like self-reliance uh, and not getting to like be the one that's just crying on someone else's shoulder. Uh, she has always had to take care of people and and that's just kind of that scene encapsulates that I think and so I think that that's that's the deal and I think it's a really um you know uh emblematic of what we're supposed to think of her childhood mm-hmm. yep I <clears throat> I agree 100 percent um next question then is aside from Hori and Miyamura there are a lot of other relationships happening around them do you think the show is balancing and presenting these other relationships well or badly? Does that detract from the main couple or adds them? The only the only one I picks up from this, to be quite honest, is what I think, and I say a thing because there's no conclusive evidence here, is a budding interest between Ishikawa, the BL, and Miyamura. <laughs> uh, you know that that's the uh, that's that's the secret ending. You know, uh, that's right, the secret ship. Um, but. Uh, Ishikawa and uh, the green-haired girl, who I think her name is Sakura. Yeah. I have a feeling that they might potentially go somewhere. I hope yeah. so. And <clears throat> here's the thing, right? The show is named Hori Mia, so it is, of course, going to be about Hori and Mia. Makes perfect sense to me. And Sure. But that being said, <laughs> like they don't exist in a vacuum. Um, indeed, the episode one makes it clear, you know, like with Ishikawa's crush on Hori, that there are implications to that. And I think that it's reasonable and actually quite good that the show is willing to go through him dealing with that. Now, granted, it's not heavily emotional. It's not like crushed inside, like, oh, God, I, she wounded me, the poppy. Ah, that kind of thing. He's not, I love it. He does. He does play that up for comedy. He does though. play it for comedy when she's uh, when she's asking, trying to ask his name, like uh, Miyamura's first name, you know. And he's like, "I have to ask you a question." And he's like, "Oh," 
It's like, it's about Miyamura. And she's like, and he's like, my broken heart is still bleeding. Why? And like runs away. With, so with, with the tears as well that look really vicious. <laughs> yes. It's kind of, it, yes. Oh my God. It's amazing. It reminded me of all things like of Madoka Magica when, um, I can't remember her name. She's like, girls can't take girl. Like that kind of thing. Like, and just runs away in hysterics. Oh. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so him, if they go somewhere, and maybe they don't even, maybe like it could potentially be like, well, for lack of a better term, he thinks he might think of her as a rebound girl. And again, I'm using a bad term here for that, but basically, like someone he could like emotionally attach onto now that he's been rejected. Uh, and then, he, and I'm, I'm not saying I approve of that. I'm saying that it could be used for good dr- drama here. Like, you know, he, right. you know, like juicy, juicy drama. Uh, or maybe it does become genuine. I don't know. Uh, but I can see like the, the groundwork for that maybe i mean that I, I i would have i would hope there is because not because of like i don't really do all that shipping stuff but, i mean you don't you don't put like an entire scene before the op of episode four where they interact and there's just a tight little bit of flustering between them without that then going nowhere later don't do that show don't be bad yeah <laughs> you know yeah, you, yeah. uh <laughs> so i i really like that scene that scene drove home to me that like you know yes the show is called horimiya but it is not just about the uh, the romance between them. It is about it is about the other relationships in their life. It is about what it's like to belong to a friend group and what it's like to kind of exist socially in that. Like to get into one to feel like you belong. It's about like having this place in your in your school in your in your life when you're an adolescent. Um, and so you need other characters for that, and you need other characters that we care about and. I think that they've done a really good job of making the whole rest of the cast like us care about them, whether it's care about loving them, whether it's like we find them charming uh, and sweet or like we just enjoy hating them because they're shit bags. Well, this um, leads me on to uh, what feelings what was, what was his, it's got feelings. Out what of was me. his name again? The redhead kid. Well, I cannot remember. The president. Uh, oh, Sengoku. Sengoku and twins. Pink Twin Tails Girl, whatever her name is. It's like Aya, Aya something. Aya Kashi? Aya... I gotta... Let's see. Uh, um, I can't... Uh, yeah, it is uh, Aya... Oh, God damn it! Whatever. We'll just say Pink, pink Twin Tails. Pink Twin Tails, right. I mean, that scene with them in the hallway where she's made the mistake of, you know, dropping the budget reports. Ayasaki. Ayasaki, right. Rim. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. Pink Twin Tails Girl... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, Pink yeah. Twin Tails Girl. Like you know, when they're having that scene in the corridor, um, and Segoku's like, she didn't see anything, and I was just like, you know, I could throttle you right now. I hate you Gaslighty so much, prick. I hate you. Yeah, just gaslight. But the thing is, she's the fucking worse. I wish Hori still bullied you. <laughs> but she's also like, I, I really don't like the Twin Tails Girl either. Like, I get the feeling if I was to take a head and shake it, all I'd hear is the sound of two ping pong balls like bouncing around inside the cavity. <laughs> There's nothing there. And it'll be look. It will be that would be fine. Like if she no, wouldn't she's got yeah, a serious medical not... condition. She's got two ping pong balls in her brain. It wouldn't be fine. Okay, okay. No, I'm kidding, I was I'm taking. Kidding, I'm kidding. I, was... <laughs> I was taking you re- reading that as a metaphor. You know, if she's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, that's kind of whatever. But like. You know, when she uh, is sort of is manipulative and mean to Hori, you know, even if you want to say in the second episode that she really did forget that she dropped the budget report, I don't know if she did. 
but let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say she yeah. really did forget that and cause her. Then you have an episode three with her coming in and saying, Miyamura, I will take him. That's just mean. <laughs> and like, she was only joking or whatever, but it's like, why the fuck would you oh, do that? Oh, are we, are we, being are an we pulling that rhetorical shit? I was just kidding. Oh, yeah, I was all. <laughs> I, I did a racism, but I was uh, just kidding. I didn't mean it. Yeah. God. Yeah. Scrolling as dickhead, <laughs> you know. Uh, right. Anyway, right. anyway. Of course. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing those two up is because I don't know if they are a couple. There's... You could potentially realize... They are. Okay. Well, they say they are. They say, like, <clears throat> oh, she's uh, Sengoku's girlfriend. Oh, okay. Like, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, Ishikawa's are like, what? They're hot and dating? <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Well, you know, yeah. flies attract shit and all that. Uh, but anyway, uh, point being is that also they serve as a point of contrast to Hori and Miyamura, and in turn, what may potentially be happening to Ishikawa and Sakura, uh, in that you you know you get to see how because like there's very intimate relationship stuff that happens where indeed Miyamura and Hori do make mistakes already even before they are dating if they ever get dating and I hope they do I'm not even saying they will uh, but that's something I'm going to talk please, about later please. I'll talk about later but. <clears throat> The, the thing the thing about their intimacy, like, is it's very much like in terms of what they say to each other. I'm not talking, like, about them, you know, boning or whatever. Um, even though the show makes a number of jokes, like, Hori screwed me over. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a big thread on Twitter about the translation of that. And it's like, it could have been this, it could have been that. And, like, it wasn't... It was delivered weirdly, but I, mean, I think I think we got it. <laughs> I, basi- basically, Ishikawa thought that they went and banged somewhere. There you go. That they, yes, yes. Yeah. But really, the, he just didn't get a the, drink. You know, <laughs> so he remains thirsty. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. Miyamura went into. No, never mind. I mean, it's. I mean, if you want to, you want to, if you want to expand on this, like you've got the you've got the ship, which is Hori X Mia, you know, and then you've got uh-huh. and then you've got the uh, sequel series, which is uh, Hori Double X Mia, and then you've got the uh, you know After Hours one, which is Hori Triple yeah. X Mia. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I love the fucking double entendres of that conversation. Like, beyond that one, when they just fully go into... It's like, uh, oh, I should have been able to stop it, but I just I'm, couldn't help myself. I mean, you can also... <laughs> and all that. I mean, some, so sometimes good. a soda can, you know, exploding and foaming everywhere is just a soda can exploding and foaming everywhere. And sometimes it's very Freudian. That's all I'm going to say to that. <laughs> sometimes it's your waifu. <laughs> Like in, you know, no, no, that one show shut the, shut, I, I shut you. <laughs> That's right. We're bringing up a key gun on this show. Why? You're a, I'm sorry, you're a dick. You know, I'm, I did. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. It's funny. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that we get some nice contrast because I was saying about like the intimacy. It's all about how they talk to each other, and that's why beyond the gaslighting element of that conversation being reprehensible in its own right, we get a direct contrast between like you know how some relationships work where without even it being direct, like one person is calling the shots versus an open communication and dialogue with each other, which is what the relationship the Hori and Mia uh, Mura are like starting to build, uh, which in turn ties into what happens at the end of episode one, where he says like, but I thought like you, you know, you only were being nice to me for, cause you know, and can I, can I, can I, can I, can I be, yeah. can I just put it out there? I'm going to admit I have felt like that before. Oh, God, yeah. yes. It's it's it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a I think it's probably more common along a lot of like me, I I'm going to I was going to say sister but let's just say men in general. Like just <clears> dudes. <laughs> I yeah. think I think that that reaction like this person um 
you know, um, thinking like treating me well. It's just because they're treating me nice. There's not any genuine feeling behind it. And it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. You don't want to get your hopes up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I've been there. I absolutely have been there. Um, so yeah, I feel like the show. That's what I thought. I thought the same thing about Annie. <laughs> she will tell mm. you, like, until it was. Uh, until I thought the signals were were way more clear for a long time, she was like, "I was sending you all these signals," and I was like, "That was a signal." Was I thought you were just like being cool. Was, <laughs> was was that was that her? Was that when she was holding up the big neon sign saying "Date me" with an arrow pointing down towards it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I mean, like, admittedly, it did not go as far as as they have. But like, that is why. Like the the one time I wanted to just smack Miyamura was like the time that he got in a fight with Ishikawa it's like well we're just buddies my fucker she held your hand like during a movie like not like a help me across the street a fingers interlocking and we are grabbing each other and she said I love you. I mean, no, I love your hands. But the thing is, like, <laughs> come on. Please, I want to. How can you? I want to. I want to just dismiss. I want to expand on that. Like, Miyamura says, by like, I love yours too, is in your hands. I'm reading that line as him trying to just circuitously say that he loves her directly. Yes. Yes. Uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and that has been. And then, but she doesn't pick up on it. She thinks he's still talking about her hands. Oh God. Anyway. Maybe they're just exchanging protein strands. Who the fuck knows? Uh, but anyway, we're going to move on. Um, so, uh, next question. Uh, this is actually from Gogo Atomic Robot. This, we made out, but she doesn't. And uh, this um, is... <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. Are we are we all done with Kate? Well, there there just... are more Kate ones, but some of them have to follow okay, okay. from others. Do, do you mind if we take a short break? I can refill my beer. So, yes, of course. I, okay. Of course. We'll be back in uh, in two shakes. We're back. We're back. Thank you very much for waiting, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. All right, let's uh, go straight on to it then. So this question from Gogo with Sonic Robot says, is Miyamura an authentic depiction of someone who enjoys alternative subculture, or is he a shallow caricature of a scene kid, and why? Okay, so I've got a complicated... What a loaded question. I have, I have a complicated... <laughs> I feel like I know how you feel, Gogo. I have a complicated answer <laughs> to this question. Uh, I don't think that he... Well, the thing is, I don't think we have enough info at the moment um, about like how much he's actually genuinely likes this subculture. Because all it really we really have is the aesthetic. I mean, to give some backstory here, um, I knew from like when I was sixteen, like I was actually into a girl at high school who was into body mod, um, body modification, um, and we're talking like far more extreme shit than Miyamura does, like. Uh, she had magazines, for example, showing like how, for example, you get like metal implants on the skin and things like that. Uh, and if you want my perspective mm. on body modding, by the way, I'm totally cool with you doing whatever the heck you want. The only thing that weirds me out is when you have stuff like Mia Mirrors, where it looks very easily like it could get caught on something. That just makes me flinch because it just makes me always think of it getting caught on a sure. door or a coat hanger. You name it, you feel bad. Yeah, yeah. I would, I, I would, I would like if I was walking past someone who had one of Mia Mirrors like ear to like uh, lip piercings, like this little chain he's got. I would give them a wide berth, not because I'm afraid of them, not because I think they're, like, horrible or terrible, but I would just legitimately, in a very British way, be very worried about catching it by accident and all the... Ugh, I'm even shivering thinking about it right now. Um, but also, it's bad. Uh, in my uh, college, uh, that is but, but I, after I turned 18, uh, in the UK's college, of course, in the UK is different than America, uh, and then in my university years, uh, I went to a number of rock clubs uh, where there were people who were punks, mods, 
uh, rockers like Goffs, you name it, all the various groups there. Um, and for me, like, I think with the benefit of hindsight, my understanding is if you like the way you present yourself, then that's all it needs to be. Um, you know, I wouldn't say like there's a set standard really of like how many piercings one should have, what the piercings should look like. Uh, I hope not. I mean, admittedly, the only thing I find a bit freaky about body mod is when you have the massive tunnels in your earlobes. But again, that's mostly because I just fear catching them. Like, mm. for the same reason. Um, but anyway, uh, the point being, therefore, is that I, insofar as Miyamura is concerned, my assessment of his, him is, though, is that the reason I brought up the clubs and that girl with the magazine is that it's not just about the aesthetic, it's about what else you're into. Because there's obviously a lot of crossover with, like, different music styles styles of dress i mean in the clubs i went to for example you'd have people wearing like uh stuff from a brand called Cyberdog, which is a lot of neon for example uh new rock boots you know big boots with like massive like metal plates on them that kind of thing leather jackets uh you know hairstyles uh, and then also the music they're into heavy metal for example death metal um things like that speed metal Slip, black metal slipknot thrash metal. slipknot for example that girl that i mentioned was into slipknot sure. a lot um, and then, of course, you had all the movies that came out, like being big into Rob Zombie. Now, I'm broad stroking here, broad brush. Not everyone, of course, was into this, all of that. Stereotyping. Yeah, not all. Yeah, not all. Of everyone was like exactly into all of those things. But I think that what I'm trying to get across here is that you know to describe someone as alternative doesn't start and end at how they look. And therefore, I can't conclude that Miyamura is alternative. I can't conclude who he is just because it's based purely on his aesthetics at the moment. However, however, I think that from what the show has presented thus far, him styling himself that way, particularly with his piercings, um, we haven't yet learned how he got his tattoos. I don't even know if we will, but it's a moot point, really. I mean, we saw him, of course, piercing his own ears. And the way that that was edited was it followed almost immediately after a scene where he had been bullied again. Or left out yeah. of the group activity. So to me, that was mm-hmm. an act of rebellion. Like, well, you've marked me as different, so fuck it. I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to lean into being different because fuck you. That's why. And I know people who've been like hmm. that in the past. Um, so I think that for him, his appearance is more of a sense of, well, I've always been treated as different. So if I am going to be different, it'll be on my terms. And you know hmm. what? Fair play to him. I've got no disagreement with that whatsoever. Um, we just also, as I say, don't really know enough about his other tastes, really, like what he's into otherwise. Like, apart from not liking horror movies, which admittedly is counter to what you'd think of an alternative person, that's fair on the show's part, I appreciate. And I will mention as well, I just generally appreciate that we do get someone who looks alternative at all, who's not a JoJo's villain or something like that, you know. Nah, like, just a regular sure. person, for lack of a better term. But this this yeah. now leads into my big complaint about the show, whatever I feel it could be lifting its weight more. Um... Miyamura's alternative nature to me seems only to exist as a stand-in for a sense of otherness uh, that marks him as the unusual boy that Hori is into. Like, you signed a lot of times in stories like this where you have, like, you know, the lead female is relatively normal, um, you know, fits, like, I mean, that's why I said Hori seems, like, a bit generic. That's possibly by design. And you've got, like, the unusual boy, the mysterious presence. Uh, This is, of course, the basis of shit like Twilight, for example. But, you know... Or if you if you swap the genders, you have a whole fucking ton of fiction with the manic pixie dream girl type. Well, you when, know, you, when you when so when you say mid two different, did you say mid two thousands? Because bear in mind, from what we discussed before, Horimiya starts in two thousand and seven. 
No, no, I said um, if you flip the genders, then you have all uh, you have something that ta- an arc sort of archetypical uh, trope, a trope from genre fantasy, yeah. manic pixie dream girl, you know. Yeah. The, uh, but but it's kind of flipped uh, in in this. The way you're presenting it is that you know like uh, sort of typical smart girl, responsible girl, and then in into her life floats alt boy yeah now uh, and she's taken aback by it I, I so this is your characterization of it to an extent but the thing is um it's there's a certain like it's in an okay spot at the moment where it would be worse if it leaned more into that but not as much as i otherwise would like or rather in a different way and to explain um one thing that miyamura is not doing for example is getting hori into like you know drugs or anything like that nor is he for example like changing like it's very has changed the way she dresses it's purely a surface layer thing that makes him look different and unusual and then um you know they get the different facing which does still work i don't want to detract from that but i really think that you could replace the alternative like styling element with something else and wouldn't really lose anything and that to me is a shame because i feel like you could do more with this like for example the whole tattoos thing we have to remind ourselves that in Japan, tab- tattoos are a massive taboo in like because of you know their associations with criminality and the Yakuza particularly. Now I'll grant you for some reason yeah. Miyamura's got like you know uh, tribal tattoos, uh, and my reaction to that is well beyond the fact that you probably shouldn't be getting tribal tattoos anyway. He's a basic bitch. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> like Jesus Christ, kid, you could have done better than that. Although I will admit that it's written, uh, you know, in the same way that he pierces ears to make a point to himself if not to other people getting those tribal tattoos was probably more of an act of i want a tattoo rather than i care about what the tattoo looks like you know what i mean um oh yeah i'm i'm waiting for my turn (laughs) uh, so um i really wish and this ties into why i think that i wanted hori to be stand out more as a person like in terms of how she's written i really wish the show did more of that like had other people like people in authority particularly uh react to like like maybe they find and maybe it still happens this is a thing like we're only four episodes in you know like say teachers find out me and Murrah's got tattoos you know we've seen the side of it at mm-hmm. this point like a episode like how many episodes it is there is he's a good kid he's not particularly bright maybe but that's not a crime right you know yeah. he's 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 a, yeah it. he's he's, <laughs> yeah, he's a yeah. sensitive emotionally mature person uh and you know people can't even fucking see uh you know the tattoos normally I mean, you can't see mine, for example, unless I specifically show them off, which is why when people say to me, like, you've got tattoos, it'll hinder you getting a job. I'm like, a job as what? A fucking stripper? Fuck off. You know, they can't, <laughs> they can't see it. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, but what if people found out? You know, because that's cultural taboo, that kind of thing. The piercings kind of thing. I really would like it to delve into this more where his alternative nature was not simply just a brand of otherness for him that sets him aside from other people. I would like them to make more something more substantive out of it. Um, and that's why I was talking about the sharp contrasts, like, you know, between Hori and him, and also, you know, <clears throat> why I wish he was more distinct as a character. Um, but I should stress, again, to tie all back to my core point about this, is the show doesn't need to do that. The show does what it feels it needs to do, which is, as I said before, slice of life with a bit of romance and a bit of drama, it doesn't need to also necessarily start, you know, waxing on cultural issues and, like, you know, what we make of, like, you know, conventional attractiveness, for example. Uh, I find this to be a very odd question. Because, like, 
And maybe is a question that uh, she asked early on in the show's kind of um, run. But I feel like it's odd because the show, the question seems like it's like, does does he uh, fit into type (laughs) correctly? And I think the show is all about saying that like types are bullshit. Like people don't fit into boxes. Uh, People like that's really like very artificial uh, and doesn't kind of represent like the way people really are when you get to know them. And so I think the show, like, I think originally what they want to do, right, with um, his piercings, his hairstyling and tattoos and everything like that is just as visual, really simple visual metaphor of he's not who he looks like on the outside. But then, like you said, they tie it into um, kind of his backstory and his personality a little bit more when they show him piercing himself. And I think this relates a lot to why he headbutted Sengoku. He's expressing himself. It's a person who doesn't know how to express himself, expressing deeply felt, strong emotion. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have anybody that will listen to him, that's going to talk to him, to teach him to, to like, uh, not teach him. Because there's nothing, I'm not saying like, oh, someone should have taught him or he wouldn't got to have gotten his ears pierced. He may very well have done anyway. But like, the, felt, the fact that he felt that was his only recourse. I mean, I think that that's like a really strong character building moment rather than like, you know, and, and I think they had that planned out. It wasn't yeah. like, we're going to make a scene kid. You know, it's like, well, we're going to make this kid that's had these issues and kind of that sort of informs some of the choices he's made on the spur of the moment as he'll rightly tell you. Um, you know, he's explained that to Ishikawa. He's not really thinking it through. He's just reacting to how he feels and it's probably like you said like many more of those piercings and tattoos probably came in very emotional moments for him where he felt i've got to fucking do i mean i mean look at look at get this look, out look at the way where he pierces his ear is like first like emphasis is drawn to the blood um because he's wounded not in terms of like having stabbed himself for safety pin but wounded from what's going on in school sure yeah, you go. it's very representational in that way. Totally. And so, I mean, I think I just sort of, I guess I just sort of don't care <laughs> if, like, the depiction of, like, his fashion and, and stuff like that is, like, I don't know. I just don't even think they were thinking about, like, we need to make him this authentic goth, mod, punk, Whatever. I think the fact. I, mean, I just think he's like expressing himself in a very kind of in a way that's very individual to him. I, I will say this: I would agree with you, not for the fact that they had that very specific chain thing that makes me nervous looking at it, because that to me, like whoever came, like when the writer came up with that, they must have, unless they did specific research, it feels like a very specific thing to put in, uh, very out there, like you know, piercing, but. That admittedly, I'm, hang- mm-hmm. I'm hanging a lot on that, and uh, actually, no, I'd rather not hang a lot on that. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> you know what I mean, basically. Like, um, but I do hear where you're coming from. That ultimately, whether or not I am right in thinking that I wish it did more of it, like it is a means to an end. It is the flavor for which the otherness of Moro is presented, and it still works in that context. So I'm cool with it. I don't think otherness, like, so I would stay away from because he's. He feels isolated, 
But like, he's not other than these other kids. But he's just been made to feel well, when that I, way when I, some when shitty I, experiences. When I say otherness, I'm talking specifically from um, Hori's perspective. Because she, of course, has reactions to him. Like, oh, sure. Yeah, right. Where, yeah. like, you know, she sees yeah. him like, holy crap, he's got this. Like, what the hell? That kind of thing. That's, that's <laughs> what, like, his openness. Yeah. And that's doubly so, like you said, because of the the culture. You know yeah. what I mean? For a high school boy to have those tattoos and stuff and that many piercings. It's probably way less normal How than the it would fuck be did he in get the tattooed, US or the though? UK. I'm curious, though. That's, like, <laughs> like, I mean, if he presented to the tattooist in the same way that he looks when he's in school, like, he'd been like, kid, you're not old enough to, like, you know, ride the teacups yet. Did he do it himself, I wonder? I mean, that would have been quite awkward. He'd be there like this, like... I mean, as someone who's had tattoos, uh, who has two of them, I will relay my experience of them, which is, for the first five minutes, it's like having a burning needle threaded through your skin. After that point, uh, I don't know if it's adrenaline, endorphins, natural pain kills, whatever chemical reaction happens in your body... But you stop feeling the pain, but you still feel the sensation, and it's weird. The pressure. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's just it's right. it's just like it's mutilation, basically. That's what it is. I don't mean that. I mean that without the negative connotations that usually come with that word, because obviously it is a choice for the most part that people go through with tattoos. Yeah. Well, and let me say that also to Gogo. I hope I didn't come across as too harsh in the in the very beginning, because like, I mean, to be to be entirely fair, like, I I also do think that it's. Especially if this question came on episode one, I think it's totally fair because because I do think that his aesthetics and design, you know, I mean, like with anything else, like it it's going for a particular audience, you know, that would be uh, into that. Like it's it's trying, it's trying for that. So uh, it is a very specific choice. And it is a, a kind of they're they're I, I can see them like you know they are making a sort of alternative type uh, in terms of the character design and to uh, to draw in viewers that will be attracted to that type. I mean I don't think that's a that that's a totally fair thing to say, but but I just think like as the show goes forward, it's like it just becomes so much more organic to me than that and it becomes so much like it's not the surface level thing um it's really wrapped up in who he is mm, i um, i will s- any of it, it, sorry go ahead go i was to say you know when you talk about that what pops into my head i was reminded of kanji from persona 4 because he of course presents yeah, very, i mean he, look. He, he, he of course presents outwardly in a very much like no well, i'd say i was gonna say passive aggressive but with kanji it's Aggressive. aggressive aggressive yes exactly it's aggressive <laughs> aggressive but yeah. uh, let me just point out something that i do not want to see happen in this show like i flip flop back and forth on how i feel about the persona 4 golden ending where kanji stops dressing like a punk um mm. and that is a discussion i forgot that happened and that's a discussion <laughs> that you and i can of course have a different time but i don't sure. want miyamura i think we've had it <laughs> i don't want miyamura to like suddenly stop dressing or acting the way he does in his own time with hori uh for, for either for her sake or just because he but I mean unless it was done appropriately where we had sufficient meat to it as to why he might have grown out of it I mean granted he's got tattoos on so unless he's got high powered laser on he ain't growing out of that anytime <laughs> soon uh, no. but the point point being though um, like again I think that they could do more with this uh, aesthetic element but I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that it is probably by dis- I don't know what, well okay 
what else could they do? Um, like, what, I, I guess pe- I can't think pe- of anything. People find out about it. I mean, again, I have to stress one: they might not even need to do this or want to do this because obviously it's by design that it's just serving a purpose other than being about. Okay, okay, okay. So, all right. So, I, I get you. So, what you're saying is, going forward, you would like to see. It would be nice if they yeah. if they added more and, and built more on it. Okay, so it's not a criticism of what has come. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't criticize okay. it at the moment on that basis because the show's not over. But I would like to, I would like to see okay. it where it made more out of the fact that he is, he belongs to a subculture, a subculture that in Japan specifically, from what I can tell, is very probably out there and probably not accepted. I mean, I don't think he belongs to subculture. He, this is his group. Like he doesn't really belong to any. Like this is where he belongs. He's not like a, a scene kid. He doesn't go to shows. You know, he's well, what shows, cake shop. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's true. The cake shop is definitely a contrast. Um, but I mean to say, like, I, I would like them to do more of it, generally speaking, rather than it just be the yeah. other face kind of element to it, where, oh my god, I'm shocked that he looks so, like, different than what I thought. And I'm like, no, make more of that. Make more of it where it's just, like, there's some society elements, like... And he is... Well, it's not just that he looks different. He is different. Yeah. Like, like that's what's so great, is, like, it's not just the aesthetics that are different, because... The aesthetics give us a stereotype in our head of what he'll be like, but he's also different from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's a double. It, it's sort of a double uh, double move where he's different from Gloomy Gus. Oh, how is he different? Well, because he's an alt dude. Oh, wait a minute. That's sort of how he dresses, but he actually acts way different. Again, because I think the show is not trying to like say he's. he belongs to a Saturn. It's not operating on that level well, at all to me. It's just saying like people are different than how you would sort of write them off as. Yeah. And you should get but to know I, them. I, I think that's an important thing. But I think if we're going to go and develop the other face element, I also would like, like, if he look like there could be an episode where he does wear the full chain, he does wear all the piercings. Uh, maybe he's even wearing a slightly short sleeve t-shirt, so you see a little bit of tattoo. And he's walking around with Hori in, like, you know, a town centre or somewhere, and some random people might comment on that. Like, I want to... Mm-hmm. I want it. I want more stuff like that to happen in the future, where it mm. isn't just strictly about Hori being surprised by him looking different, and have and for it to have more long term impacts on him in the show. Um, maybe, but have you not? Well, okay, right. Like so for the dress, but but I think you, you would that would have a lot more weight if she wasn't also surprised by how he acted so different mm. from anyone she knows or from how she thought he would be. I mean, there's. She thinks he's different, but not just because of the way he dresses. Because, like, she's like, man, like, it's not just that he looks different. He is this different yeah. person than I would well, ever that, imagine him to be. Well, that's the thing, he's though. He's caring. How, he's shy. Yeah. He's scared. That, <laughs> you know? that could tie into it, though, too, because obviously people in the street wouldn't know what he's like as a person. So that, again, could tie into the whole two, you know, multiple faces, multiple sides of a person thing of how we prejudge people that we see in the street based on how they look, that kind of thing. Uh but they've already, I think they've already done that. Like, they did that with the, the all, all the student characters have gone through that arc. They, only the ones that uh, that Hori um, is close friends with, and they've just mostly written off as comedy. I I want some more, ser- something a little more serious. I, again, talk about the knobs and dials here. Uh, you know, don't have, doesn't have to be all serious. I don't want to get expelled, for example, for being found out he's got tattoos or something. Uh, that would be a bit too much. But I feel, yeah. I feel like they could do more with this then, as I say, he's alternative. I mean, I could replace the alternative element with other things that might um, 
that would serve the same function of just making him seem like an unusual individual. Like, but like, would they? Like, I don't know if they would though, because like we talked about how specifically the piercing relates to his emotions and backstory and how it's a visual metaphor for what he's going through. You could replace. So I don't think you could just swap it out with um with something else with him being a nerd. Well, or him you, being a skateboarder. If you, well, the thing is, if you take that axe as an axe of self harm, you could replace that with another axe of self harm too. Uh, it's just something expressed specifically. Then I think the show will be too dark. Yeah, I, like this is like not not so dark. It's like him doing a fashion thing that's also kind of painful. Mm-hmm. Um, as an act of self-expression because mm-hmm. uh, it's self-expression i think as much as it is self-harm yeah i'll just i'm gonna sum up and move on basically as just i would like them to do more of it i feel like they could do more of it um but we'll see because there is still there are so mm. many episodes left uh and yeah. other than that i'm okay with it thus far um and i'm still stunned that they had the long chain piercing that they did not just because of the fact <laughs> that it just grosses me out because I really worry again about getting caught or something. But because it really is out there. Like, I, I've i seen very few... I'm going back to my experiences like that I can remember through the drunken haze of youth, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I have seen very drunken. few people who have um, chains like that. I've seen them. They do exist, but they're, sure. it's very rare. Same like I said about the giant tunnels, for example, on the air. Um, quite rare. Um, and of course, I've seen people like have had body mods. I've seen people who've had tattoos on their face. Like, um, so the fact, like, I, I again, like, that specific thing singles out to me. That whoever wrote this clearly had a knowledge of this subculture, or maybe even knew someone in per- person who was there. Because I feel like it's so specific, it's something that you wouldn't have sought out to research. Like, as, how do I make someone different? You know, but it feels like it's drawn from a little personal experience, which is neat. It, it's Yeah, it could be. Could be. I guess, like, to draw under my thoughts is, like, I... So I think it's done an adequate job with this and i don't necessarily i'm not going to say i disagree that it'll be bad if, if they did more i just think in terms of the show's priorities yeah it's like way at the bottom of I, other sh- there's w- yeah. other shit i wanted to do way more <laughs> i i do i do agree with you and i have to again stress that what i would like to see is not necessarily what would be best for the show i'm hard to please mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> all right um next question comes from kate um and this says i think we may have already answered this actually uh piggybacking on the question above do you think miyamura's look is born of his previous exclusion from social groups and the bullying experience as in a self-harm coping mechanism we've already talked about that yes i think we've talked about that yes. yeah mm-hmm. um so next question after that comes from son of rackham do any of the relationships, friendships, and the issues they are dealing with in regards to each other remind you of relationships, friendships in your life, past or present? Um, Ishikawa particularly, I've been there. I've been like, hey, I'm into you. Oh, no, never mind. And then I've got to deal with afterwards. Uh, that, Ishikawa, my hand is free. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that was the greatest. Uh, oh, the show really makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. I, um, Man. A little bit of, um, of Miyamura as well. Um, my memories of high school are broadly unpleasant, to be quite honest. But the problem is, is that I didn't have, sure. I didn't have a means of like, I didn't reply by defining myself into a certain subculture. I don't think I even really defined who I was in terms of like my personality or my ability to be more extrovert since I was like seventeen. So, yeah. But yeah, Ishikawa's <laughs> like rejection and how he handles that. Like, granted, most of it's played for comedy, but I'm glad that, that we are hinting about him meeting Sakura. Like, and you know. Again, I don't know how they'll go with that, but it's an avenue that's worth exploring regardless. Yeah, that that makes him feel like a real person and not just like a prop for Hori and Miyamura. You know, he might have some shit going on. He's not the third um, wheel. Yeah. Uh, 
so I guess this is as good a place as any to say this. Like, clear a little runway for uh, Doc the Cornball. <laughs> um, it's probably going to be sound corny as hell, but I never I'm going to do I it. I never would have guessed you were called. I've been ball. asked. Yeah, that's, yep. It's surprise, surprise. Uh, there is uh, stuff not necessarily depicted a lot but talked about and and shown a bit uh, that I feel like is deeply true of how I feel about my marriage and my relationship with my wife, especially that shit in episode one about uh, how getting to see the hidden side of someone else um, when no one else gets to like and and Miyamura's like, you know, I like how you are in public, you know, I like how you are at school. But I really like, you know, how you are at home when you like dress in like, you know, like a hoodie or whatever, or something where it's like, you know, you just kind of or whatever and like your hair is just like put up in a clip and uh you have your guard down and uh you're like really honest and uh you're you know, telling uh people how you feel and doing what you want and putting your feet up and letting your metaphorical hair down would be letting your hair down, but also putting your, is putting your hair up in a clip. Um, like yeah, all that stuff is like, um, that's the good shit, man. Cause like it just, it may, and it may seem counterproductive or not counterproductive, counterintuitive to some people like, Oh, what really? That's what I have to look forward to. My significant other, like, uh, looking frumpy <laughs> and not caring about their appearance or being crabby uh, in the morning or, like, uh, complaining about something or, like, making fun of people. And it's like, yes, <laughs> because... The little things are what matter. It's because if you can create a place for both of you where you both feel safe enough and comfortable enough in your own skin to be that way... I mean, what more could you? That's just incredible. Like, I have I've only ever felt like that degree of safety with um, my best friend from college. Uh, and it's like in a different galaxy. It's like a different level of feeling. But it's, you know, I felt really comfortable around my best friend. But like, yeah, I mean, with with my wife, it's like, um, I don't know, like. I'm the only person in this world that like she will like talk shit about other people to because like, it's like in the deep levels of her brain that it's like she feels it, but it, she also feels other things like good things toward them. And she wouldn't tell any, any people that because like don't want people to get the wrong idea. But it's like, you know, <laughs> it's just special because like you're the only person that gets to hear it and they feel safe enough around you to like yeah. do that. And be that way. And it's like, it's super good. It's like, listen, waking my wife up when she's like all sleepy and like mad about it. It's hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. I get a kick out of it all the time. What a There was like a great thing. How how have you you not been punched first thing in the morning? There was a great, uh, I think Lindsay, and then Lindsay retweeted it. So where I saw it, like a, 
how I feel in the morning and what my husband yeah, sees. Yeah, I've seen that. And it's like a tiger versus a tiger cub. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's so true. Aww. But yeah, man, like that shit, like in that first episode, it rang really true. And uh, and yeah, I mean, there's like the wife that like my other people that, that other people know. Um, and kind of they have like what they imagine her to be. Uh, and then there's like the real person, which is, which is, you know, some of that, but also a lot fuller. And like, that's such a cool thing to explore for a show. And so I'm glad the show yeah. is doing the, that. The show's interactions between Hori and Miyamura um, are wonderfully authentic. Like, it, it's amazing to me, like, how, like, it really lays out how precious those moments are. Even little things. I mean, you said yourself, like, people said, like, oh, that's what I've got. And no, I, that's something you can truly look forward to. Because even if they're only little things, they're yours and yours alone. Yes. And what's more, there mm-hmm. are so many of them. There are. And it's like, a, it's a, it's a place you made, like, to make that happen. You know, it's like, it's great. It's, it's cool. And there's stuff about, like, Miyamura that again I thought like felt really of accord uh that's not the right I I felt like a similar kind of felt seen like from my my own adolescent experiences but that's different to relationships um I I've never had like a like a (laughs) I've never quite had like a relationship like like Miyamura and Ishikawa um but uh I don't know. It's it's sort of depiction. It's not given the same uh, room to breathe that Miyamura and Hori are. So there's not a lot of seriousness. There's just a lot of comedy, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's uh, th- that one is stuff. I mean, maybe a, maybe a little. I mean, I think Shindo. Now Shindo is is someone who reminds me of someone from my middle school, high school years who. Um, was really nice to me, even though he had no reason to be. And that guy had a lot of other friends and was popular and played football. But like, he also liked video games, and so we would talk about video games. Oh, cool. And he would be like, "Do you want to come over and play Command and Conquer?" Yes. Or Street or Street Fighter, and I'd be like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> Man, so, you know what's funny? Uh, I, re- I if I had to speculate, I reckon that what you've done there, Doc, is providing with an outlet to talk about that so mm-hmm. you literally got to see the other side of someone i guess i did there, yeah. there you are yeah. there you are um mm-hmm. all right um let's move on to the next question then which comes again from kate rose uh in episode two why do you think miyamura headbutt sengoku the student council president over the issue of the missing budget paperwork because he fucking deserved it take that <laughs> you sack of shit um <clears throat> well yeah. I can. Di- I'm gonna. Dis- I think I've answered. I've answered this question. Yeah. So I've, you go ahead. I'm gonna just. I, I. I. Firstly, he was a gaslighting prick who deserved it. He was putting her in an awkward position. He clearly. I mean, when he said like, you know, she says she saw nothing. Like he was clearly relishing in the moment of the power he had over Hori. This wasn't any more just about a simple. Oh, where's the paperwork gone? All right, you know what? It's lost. Whatever. We'll work out. No, this was deliberately trying to publicly humiliate her, uh, and so. 
the answer, eye for an eye, I'll publicly humiliate you. But narratively speaking, yep. I think what's also worth noting is that it goes to show us that there are other elements to Miyamura that you wouldn't otherwise think. Again, if I were to rate him as a character in terms of like, how, like who would win the fight? I would have had it be Ishikawa, not him, and that the show even concludes that later. And it goes to show like he is not above like physical violence. And again, like I would prefer that violence didn't happen. But I'm also not going to lie that sometimes, like you, speaking from my own experience as a kid here, sometimes you literally do need to punch a motherfucker who deserves it. You know, sometimes you know, yeah. for all the rules that school can say, like about telling teaching and all that, sometimes the only <laughs> the only way that people will respect, uh, you know respect you when you, they have done wrong when they've clearly done some awful shit is to be fucking giving it to them physically and so if, so yeah. I, you know I'll own it I'll own my approval of that like you can come totally. come at me all you want and say like he shouldn't have been I'm like no I think he fucking deserved it especially for the way he was treating Ori about like you know oh he didn't she didn't see anything like no fuck you you gaslighting prick yeah he sucks gonna sw- oh, we're gonna swirl you that red out of your hair you little shit and like, is wasn't it so funny how when the fucking girlfriend, uh, you know, school idol, popular lady, it's like, oh no, go meet no and then everyone disperses. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal, girl. We'll be mad at you in the other room. But yeah, it really was like he's trying to fucking make a public. She has, scene she has the personality sack of shit for puppet, that. To be honest, <laughs> I know. And like, <laughs> after all, after all she's done for them, I mean, this is not the first time she's done it, obviously. Like, you know, her friends are always like, why do you do this for them over and over? Well, I mean, it's like, he, she's done so much work for them and now he's going he's gonna to treat her like that. What a, what a, a garbage human. I mean, it, it was sucky, sucky behavior. And so, yeah, he deserved to get headbutt. Now, why did he even think to headbutt him? Let's, well, you know, I think it's, because, like I talked about before, like this is how he, uh, this is like a pattern of how he expresses himself very violently, physically, uh, without thinking too much. Whether it's like he's piercing his ear, he, he's getting in a fight, he's getting a tattoo, or he's headbutting this guy. Like it all comes from the same kind of place because that's just what he's had to do to express himself. He hasn't really had people to talk to so much. Yeah, I agree. Um, if he if he only if he's only been treated badly, then well, what do you expect to happen in return? Basically, yeah. Well, just like Shindo said, who do you think made him that way? Mm. His asshole friends are like, oh man, he's so quiet. He's if he gets mad, he's gonna beat the shit out of you. It's oh, like, man. well, who do you think made him that way? You dicks. <laughs> like, if you won the change, how about you treat him like a human being? Crazy, isn't it? God. Um, Next question. Uh, in episode three, what did you think when Miyamura beats up Ishikawa during their disagreement about Hori's feelings? Why was Miyamura mad at Ishikawa in that moment? Uh, I'm going to pass this over to you, Doc, because I'm trying to remember the specific lines that were said, and they're just kind of eluding me right now. Mm. Uh, well, so he's, like, Ishikawa's saying, you know, hey, Hori's in love with you, and dude is like, nah, man, we're just friends. We're cool. I mean, she held my hand and all, but I promise she doesn't like me like that. And Ishikawa's like, God damn it, you're so thick. Uh, your head is like a fucking rock. And he didn't really say that, but he like reaches over to grab him. And uh, 
<laughs> Miyamura just gets like surprised and punches him in the face. Yeah. And uh, then Ishikawa starts insulting him and hit slaps him. And he's like, oh my God, I didn't mean to do that. And then uh, uh, Mia uh, beats the shit out of him, as Ishikawa put it. And, uh, you know, said, look, I know, uh, sorry, sorry, I, I got startled and. But also, I was just pissed at you. <laughs> I think he's just like, uh, funnily enough, you know, he can be very honest with himself or, uh, sometimes uh, around Hori. Uh, but to other people, maybe it's just like a thing he wants to keep private and not really talk about so much. <laughs> so he was pretty annoyed at Ishikawa. And Ishikawa still has those, you know, uh, he still has a flame burning for Hori, mm-hmm. so he's um, annoyed. Kind of, even though they're really good friends, I think there's still a little kind of undercurrent of like, you know, why you and not me? Mm-hmm. Damn you! <laughs> you know? Yeah, I I agree with everything you said there. I think sometimes like it's necessary for friends to maybe if not necessarily physically, but certainly verbally, fight it out amongst themselves to get shit off the chest and. I think that the fucking social link was it uh, Yosuke? Yeah, Yosuke, the rank ten shit. I remember that. Let's yeah. just beat it, beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, as to why Miyamura oh. was mad at Ishikawa in that moment, I think it's God. I my best guess is just that he, for one, as you say, like maybe doesn't quite know how to like more tactfully deal with these things. Um, mm-hmm. But secondly, if I had to get the core idea of it, why he is mad at him. I'd probably go with, like, you know, how his, like, hanging on to Hori is, like, acting as a boat anchor for them all moving forward. It's, like, a depressing... uh, When I say Mm. depressing, I don't mean as in, like, emotion. I just mean, like, as in it's putting actual pressure on them moving Mm. forward, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So that's how I see it. Yeah, I mean... uh, That that sounds sounds right, you know, I think... uh, (laughs) He's just uh, kind of, yeah, annoyed, annoyed at him. And I don't even think he was really, really mad because, like, he was ready to apologize and he took all the blame for it. Same as Ishikawa, but there's just a lot of emotions happening there and it bubbled over. Indeed. And uh, unfortunately, Miyamura is, like, prone to uh, uh, violently re- <laughs> react at times when he's uh, afraid or angry or annoyed. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, next question comes from Son of Rackham. Um, I don't know if we'll necessarily answer this one in full because it kind of already covered it, but just to have a look. Uh, similar to one of the above questions with a slightly different take, but do you think it's possible Miyamura's look outside of school was in any way originally born from a desire to express himself, be more carefree, or what he sees as cool since he himself seems to doubt himself and struggle more than he would like socially at school? Um, that could certainly be it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly think there's a dichotomy between how we present ourselves in a more formal environment, be it work or school, and uh, how we present ourselves out of it. Um, and that's even down to the fact that, for example, like, if you want to talk even during the pandemic, when I, for example, dress entirely casually these days, when I'm on, you know, team meeting calls, well, I'll tell you for free, folks, uh, watching the video, if you think I'm doing video calls at work on business meetings where they can see everything behind me, that's not true. Uh, I have a, I have a dedicated office where all they get is a David Bowie poster. Um, I could, in theory, have this all set up here, so 
you know, my work PC is down here. And then my calls would be showing the same kind of footage you're seeing now. But I deliberately choose not to. Partly because I want to have a separate space for when I, you know, spend my personal time versus where I work for my sake of my mental health. But also because I really, really don't want to actually show all this stuff to people who I don't think are open-minded enough to go, go wait a fucking minute. You know, that kind of thing. Um, right. So even that plays a part in it. And I think, again, that speaks to the universality of the show's appeal, where it's like, yeah, you know, we do present ourselves differently depending on the environment. And in a given ideal world, we'd be who we want to be all the time. We dress, uh, present ourselves all the way that we could all the time. Um, as for whether or not Miyamura is actually legitimately into the uh, fashion that he wears, or if it's just a convenient suit of armor, if you want to call it that, I can't answer that at this point. I would like it to be explored in more detail, though, as I mentioned before. But that I'm, it feels like both to me. Mm. Yeah, I feel like uh, Rackham kind of nailed the yeah the long and the short of it. Absolutely. Uh, next question uh, comes from uh, Kate Rose again. This relates to the fight. Do you think this fight spurred on Miyamura's confession episode four, or were these events unrelated? Given the fact I don't think there was any direct editing or compar- like through line in terms of the way that the scenes were structured. Uh, I'm going to go with no. Hmm. I mean, I think... I can't say it didn't play a part at all, you know, because Ishikawa continuing to push this idea of, like, you know, hey, she's into you, man. Uh, it's got to, like, subconsciously, you know, put put ideas in your head. I mean, I know when I was uh, on the market... Uh, and someone someone told me like oh man this girl digs you or whatever like that certainly influenced the way I thought about things and behaved and whether or not I asked the girl out and things like that Um, so I mean I don't think it was like I don't think he confessed because of the fight solely but I think it like probably played it was probably one of a number of factors Mm. that was it felt like the confession was like he found the right moment to say what he had been wanting to say for a long time anyway. I agree. Um, I will say that I think what I said, what I said before, like about, I, I'm not going to say it didn't have no impact to say, but I think that in terms of um, what emphasis the show was on it, I don't think it was the primary factor, certainly. I think mm-hmm. that it was just a moment where he felt like he could say that. And I'll admit, by the way, just as an aside, when I first watched that scene, I was infuriated by it. I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, we're not having this thing again where I'm going to confess my feelings while the person's feverish or otherwise not entirely capable of comprehending it. And they'll like, be like, whoa, I had the craziest dream. You said you love me. Isn't, isn't crazy, that ridiculous? Crazy, crazy. I'm going to let it slide, to be honest, because uh, at the risk of getting ahead of myself here, what I want the show to do basically is this. Let's assume it has 12 episodes. I think that's reasonable. Fair. I mm-hmm. want a 6-6 six, six split. First six episodes, okay. the build-up to them being together. The six episodes after that, the early days of the relationship. Because one thing I think a lot of anime don't do when they have like people getting... To, and MMO Junkie, for example, did this, is, all right, yep. we're together, and that's it. Yeah. The, the, the confession and acceptance is like the, the climax of the show. I agree. I don't like that. I would rather get to see them working working on the relationship and, yeah and having it and have have some of that 
uh, to to pay off everything that we put into it. I will beyond the the original. I love you. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. I will add a caveat though. Like, let's take. Um, I'm going to throw Berserk out here because I mentioned it before. Even though this is obviously not what happened in the show whatsoever, let's say in an in an and this is just purely for illustrative purposes. Let's say an alternate version of Berserk that none of the shit with Femso happened. They won, you know, the the White Hawk. Oh, this is my favorite version of Berserk. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Um, you know, all the stuff with the band of the Hawk happened, and they got to retire. Uh, you know, guts finally. Griffith became king, like yeah, uh, and then like now, rightful heir. Yeah. Now, guts and Casca, you know, them getting together was not the primary goal of the story, at least this hypothetical alternate version of the story. It was more of a, you know, happy side effects of like, you know, when I say side effect, I don't really mean it like that as if it was on console. You know what I mean basically like there was it was sure, it was something sure. that it was something that happened while the story was, it was going a B plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so if they walked off into the sunset together and we didn't get to then see like, you know, the early days of their relationship, I'd be okay with that because it is a right. it is a side element of the wider stuff that's going on in their lives. But in Horimiya, that's the entire thing. The build-up to mm-hmm. the relationship is the entire story. And that's why, for me, I make a distinction there that I do want to see them actually get into a relationship before the show ends and then have some time establishing the early days of it, laying the groundwork, seeing how things are different, like how it's different yeah. for their friends, like they now know they're dating, how it's different from them. Do they, like, one of the fears that I have like about relationships is like, all right, I'm in one, uh, you know, and suddenly... Do I act differently? Like now, sure. now, now it's formal, quote unquote, formalized. <laughs> like, do yeah. I act differently? Like, because yeah. the thing, the thing that's really neat about the interactions between Hari and Miyamura is that they're very organic, they're very authentic, and mm-hmm. that's good. But then, you know, once they do hook up, does that change? Do they feel a stiltedness to it that they have to do things differently because they are a couple now? Mm-hmm. You know. Whereas in reality, once you're with someone. The, uh, the idea behind it should be, well, it's business as usual, really, in some respects, because, you know, we obviously had things that were attracted to us to each other uh, and that we liked mm-hmm. about each other, and we don't want those to go away or change, you know? Um, that could be a part of it as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I really, really want to see them get together well before the show's end so we can have some time with them as a couple and then dealing with everything that follows from that. I'm not saying that they have to go through, like, some deep fucking tragedy, but just... <laughs> you know Sota dies in the end <laughs> oh man Wait, let's not I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh at that but it's like yeah that would just be like what the fuck are you doing show? Sengoku <laughs> challenges Miyamura to a sword fight or something <laughs> I don't know yes. <laughs> he, he really does uh, have the toga the, you know the toga like aspect for him sure he, yeah he really yeah. fucking does he's but the president <laughs> he's also red haired convenient uh, mm-hmm. You know, once he grows up a little bit more, he'll gain the whatever that says voices, the guy who voices Dio. I don't know. Anyway, point being, um, yeah, I would like that to happen where we get to see the relationship actually happen, you know, and get to explore. Oh, it. I would love that. I would love that. Because mm-hmm. um, those are really interesting uh, challenges. And it doesn't have to be all challenges. It could be... Um, we could get uh, an episode or more of, of peaches and cream, and sunshine and rainbows, and I would love that. I would eat it up. But they, also, they, they like, hold, they hold that hands. other stuff is fun. Yeah, they hold hands in public now, not like... <laughs> Maybe they call each other by their first names. <laughs> no, whoa, dog, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Holy shit, that's some out there thinking, mate. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because, <laughs> like, one day, Hori... You have to change your name, possibly, if if you go do the traditional oh, thing. Oh my god! To Miyamura, <laughs> so, so you can't just call me Miyamura. So does that mean the show's called Mia Mia now? 
It'll have to be if they get married and, and do the traditional name swap. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, okay, final question from Son of Rackham. Uh, I think it's safe to say the show has had quite a few moments already that have struck us emotionally. Is there any one moment that stands out particularly above the rest for you? It's the one I've mentioned before where it basically made me, again, remind myself that I have to be vigilant, I have to be better, um, which is... There's, I think there's a pervasive attitude amongst a lot of men these days where when women are nice to you, uh, they either don't mean it or, in the case where they might genuinely be interested in you, they only mean it just to be polite, you know. It rem- I think the, the wider implication of that scene uh, and what it made reminded me of was you need to try and treat it as it's presented, you know. Which mm-hmm. is sometimes they are genuinely being nice to you, but sometimes they do genuinely have more interest in you than that. And if it turns out that you mislike understand it because of that, that's not their fault. You know, you can't blame you can't blame that. Like Jesus Christ, you know how people are giving shit to fucking women over this kind of crap over the years is embarrassing for my fucking gender. But anyway, point being, um, no, it remind it was one of those things where whenever I watch a show where it shines a light on that kind of behavior from people like me in terms of like you know gender you know and all that sort of stuff and just general attitudes like even if i'm not doing that it doesn't mean that i don't think about it and i don't think a i've done that in the past and b i need to be vigilant to make sure i never let it happen again um no that's yeah that's super great um excellent excellent uh scene to pick um i guess mine would have to probably be uh, I'll talk about more later, but if I had to pick one, one moment, there's so many, but I think the one where I felt like, oh my God, I f- this is me, I feel this so strongly, uh, is, um, I, and I think this is not unrelated to what you just talked about, uh, the group project shit. Yeah. Um, when... And it's, it's, it's more of, it's more like half an episode almost than a moment because there's so many different great parts to it, right? There's like, um, you know, at the beginning of episode three, um, you have, um, these, the flashbacks of him being left out of all these groups and then, it's group project time again, and it's like, oh, fuck. This is the worst. I know what's going to happen. Everybody's going to group up, and here will be me left out alone by myself, me and Mara. And then some fucking self, you know, uh, righteous crusader will be like, hey, someone pick me and Mara, and that'll make me feel even yeah. just so much better. <laughs> like, uh, so, like, I think this has happened to me so many times in, in junior high school and high school. Uh, it's why I was always so happy when the teacher assigned the groups and it was not just group up on your own yeah. based on the people you like. Um, and But once again, the show is all about, I think, uh, sub, subverting not our... Well, audience expectations to some degree, but the characters' expectations... Um, that they have of other people, you know, cause like Miyamura thinks he knows, but then all the other deaths come to him 
They don't even call him over. They're not saying, you make an effort and come to us. They all come to him. Yeah. Well, so fucking great. Can I, I wish that would happen to me. Yeah. Can I expand <laughs> on I, that? Because uh, I think there's a key yeah. lesson in that episode that I think is really neat, which is Miyamura assumes by default that there will be, he's just going to be ostracized again, left to it. Even with people he's relatively familiar with, and one of which who yes. he is emotionally intimate with, you know? Um, so I think the lesson here, and I think this is a really neat one, actually, is I'm not, it doesn't diminish the fact that he has been mistreated in the past, but it really goes to show that you do have to be the better man and, uh, you know, try and come from a place of positivity where you can, re- you will reach out yourself. Now, granted, that doesn't quite happen yeah. here, but the lesson is key that there are still people out there who will come to him. He needs to reach back. You know, it's not a one way street here where eventually he will find the right group of people come to him. He does have to reach back also. Well, I think the way that I read it was that his, and this is pretty dark shit that, I mean, the show doesn't really like allow itself to feel super dark, but I think, I think there's a lot of self-hatred, you know, or, or at the very least some very deep seated self-esteem issues with him. Cause you have like the people these three people that brought their deaths to him and wanted him to be part of their group. And he's going over to Hori's house all the time. Yeah. And they're having these, these intimate and wonderful moments. Um, but he, he is, can always find a reason in his mind why people might not like him. That's the default, not, a sort of state of neutrality or likability. It's people don't like me. And he can, so even in that moment, when everyone comes to him and makes him part of the group, he's like, do I really belong here? Yeah. What are friends? Are these people comfortable with me saying that we're friends? I mean, this is something they don't, the other people don't really think about as deeply because they've always had friends, but like, you know, he's just like, Am I worthy of their friendship? Am I worthy to be liked as a human? Like he can't, he cannot allow himself to believe he's worthy of love and and worthy to be befriended. And I think that's why it, it's annoying, but it doesn't seem super out of character and doesn't bother me super much that, that, uh, Mia can't believe (laughs) that, uh, Hori's in love with him, despite the signals that are obviously there, because he's a guy who's a little bit of a dim bulb, but also he just comes from this place of self-loathing where, like, to believe that someone would love you is to, like, it runs counter to all the data that he's that he has. It runs counter to the messages that he's played himself in his brain over and over and over again. And that stuff is hard to shake. It Sometimes you can't really do it by yourself. It takes yeah. therapy or it takes a group effort to rewire your brain. Yeah. And it's hard as shit. And like, so seeing that, I mean, again, I felt like, wow, like the show gets it. Like, cause I have felt this way. Yeah. I, know, I agree. I'm in a much better place now, but like I have felt this way before. Yeah. I agree. Um, where even in the, even in the act of someone being kind and being a, a friend or cool, you know, I second guess and I think like, so like, I think 
like, yes, like he has to like reach back. I, I don't disagree. I just think like he's got to like, he just needs other people right now. He's got to yeah, get healthy. He's it, got, and, and I think, you know, I think he will reach back with horror. I mean, he's like stepped up to help Hori out and like with Sengoku. Yes. And, oh, it's and, her brother. The, the, and the fever and her brother. Um, but I also think like, you know, I mean, I can I, thinking about it now. I mean, I can actually kind of see how he might think, well, what we do at home at your house is like this sort of, uh, hush, hush fantasy dream world that we don't really talk about. That's not real. That's not really you. The real you is like school you. Um, and like, you know, I have this as a talking point, you know, and he, like he keeps trying to put her in a box and assume things about her the way that like, you know, other people did about him because of how he looked like there's that great. Yeah. He's, he's guilty of the same crime. Yeah. He's, it's amazing scene at the end of episode one where he says, you know, or no, Hori says like, did you really tell Ishikawa we would be a bad couple? Did you tell, you know, why, why did you tell him all this shit? Uh, and he was like, well, I was worried about your reputation. And she's like, what the fuck do you come off? Like having this idea I, about can me I, can like, I, can and I, not can even talking out, to me about anything. Can I just, can I just <laughs> intervene and point out, I am so happy that she roasts him alive for that. Because the, for one, it, he needed his fucking head knocking together for saying that stuff. Even as much as I might say that I've said that kind of, I've felt that kind of way in the past. Um, doesn't mean that like, you know, I want to excuse like myself, like from, being clocks around the ear for doing that. And I'm glad the show was clear that, you know, he's unambiguously in the wrong for that and he got roasted for it. Um, yeah, I, I really am glad they did that. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a similar scene in episode four I've written in my notes. I don't remember the exact context, but I just wrote like, LOL at being concerned with, and this applies to both Hori and Miyamoto, what they think that the other person thinks they're supposed to be like. Oh yeah, it was because she was like saying, "Oh my god," she was like critiquing her own reactions. Mm-hmm. Like he stripped in front of me and showed me his tattoos, and I didn't care. Maybe I was supposed to act embarrassed. Maybe that's like what he never the type said, of person he, never, he wants he me to be. Like about, everyone is. He never does up his shirt, what? by the way, throughout the rest of the scene. I should know. I <laughs> know it's it's great, but there's just I don't know. There's just like this. Uh, continual concern where they come back to like they they keep having to relearn this lesson over and over which is great of like rather than like assuming what someone is like based on what you think that their type is or kind of what group they conform to or something like that talk to them ask them judge by their behavior you know what i mean Mm -hmm. uh it's great it's so great i love it so much yep presumptions you gotta you gotta be careful with those right uh, we're actually at the end of patron questions so thank you very much everyone who's dropped in thank you we had a lot yeah got a lot to talk about covered pretty much most of what i wanted to say actually i have one final thing i'll bring up in a moment but before i do if you've enjoyed all the questions that have been asked and thinking hey i'd like to get on that action uh Pop on over to patreon.com forward slash warriordeshow. Uh, get yourself on the two, three, or five dollar tiers, and you get to ask questions for the streams that go appropriate to those. So two dollar tier is our stream of four. Three dollar tier is this one, which covers horror mirror at the moment, that's second stream. And five dollar tier is, of course, uh, <clears throat> Desho the Third, which will be covering Girls Last Tour starting next week. All right. 
So, talking points. I only have one that's not been covered <laughs> by everything we discussed. Yeah, okay. And I want to bring this up because I feel it's really important. Um, <clears throat> so, remember in episode four when Hori speaks about, like, you know, how her mum, like, left her behind and all that. Uh, and I'm not saying, yeah. like, as in Where she abandoned it. But right. it was just a work-related thing. Like, it was an unfortunate circumstance. Uh, so, left behind is probably yeah. not the correct. But you know what I mean, basically, if you've seen the show. Well, it sucks. I mean, it's... I... I... <sighs> Having been the child and the parent, like, it's, you know, I see both sides of it, but, like, I oh, just uh, just hate it that, like, you can't stay home with your sick kid, yeah. you know? Um, but what I want to note here that I find really interesting is that, bear in mind that when um, Yamura turns up, like, it's an equivalent situation, but it's not equivalent people. Right. And I think that's really key, because I think it speaks against how the show is... It's a good fucking point. ...representing the universality of these experiences where... You know, okay, that was obviously Hori's mother, and now this is Miyamura, who's someone who she's romantically interested in. But the core idea of just being emotionally and physically cared for by someone remains even from childhood going forward to adulthood. Um, and I really, really like that because it goes to show like how there are core universal experiences that still that we just recontextualize and feel differently about with different people as we grow older. Um, and it helps give the show like a sense that this is relevant to different age groups these experiences because it's a repetition of a similar scenario just with a different person under different contexts uh, and how the, they feel about them is different but it's still the same idea and i think that there's something mm-hmm. very primal even about the fact that you know like hori just wants to be looks after in that circumstance yep. you know it's very base and i don't mean base to be derogatory i mean base to say mm-hmm. like it's a very core like feeling about us as human beings and yeah. miyamura has like similar things like you know with his own arc throughout you know his history as a younger child and then to where he is now sure. um with how he feels he just about wants someone to tell him like you're okay <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so i really really like that this show through these examples drills down to show that there is a core idea of caring and affection that it displays itself in different contexts be it between a mother and daughter or between a prospective partner and yourself uh that still remains true no matter what age you are and i think it really helps give the show a sense of being relevant for everyone like we've talked about universality before i think this is a big part of it i really really appreciate that element of it yeah yeah um that 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 was that's very well said i i can say nothing more i think that you is beautifully put um, cool i can clock off early then yay <laughs> no, i can't i can't I, can. I don't know i don't know i don't know if i have um um i don't know if i have like any other points i think we probably covered i don't know we covered so much of it like, I mean, we've podcasted for, like, longer than the four episodes, which well, is our norm. It's what, um, it's what we do. We, we, we bounce. It's what we do. It's we do. The, the bants fly free and fast. They do. Uh, All right. Well, shall but, we... But, yeah, I think... I think I don't think I have any more. I mean, I'll probably be kicking myself if I forgot to say something, but I think it'll be easy to revisit that stuff later. Yeah. And I think it said the bulk of what I wanted to say. The show is great. It's, it's amazing. It's... Uh, it has a chance to be I think it has a chance to be best in class for me in terms of rom coms. I I love it a lot. Hmm. It's, well, it's be, hitting be, all the right buttons for the genre for me. Before I get to my racing then, because we'll get to the rainy episode now. Um for me, I remember why one of our first things we discussed talking this podcast was 
what's the set standard? What tools do we use to analyze this? And I'm going to pick a particular show that I'm going to compare Hori Mia to for me. Okay. Because not all rom-coms are built the same, of course. Like I said, I wouldn't compare this, for example, to Kaguya-sama. Because hashtag Kag- not all rom-coms. <laughs> Sorry, I had to yeah. do it. Sorry. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. I wouldn't compare it to Kaguya-sama, though, because Kaguya-sama right. is very much of a different construction, a different idea. I agree. It's like a gag show. It pretty mm-hmm. much is, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a sitcom, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. The show that I've seen, though, and that you've seen as well, that I would use as the barometer for this, is actually MMO Junkie. Okay. Because that is very much about two different sides of a person. Don't forget oh, that's, about... that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. Don't forget about Mori Mori-chan and, Sa- and Sakurai. I can't, yeah. Sakurai. Um, <laughs> and I think also it speaks to my viewpoint when we were at that when we were at that stage in MMO Junkie, where I was like, I'm really optimistic about this, but it's got to stick to the landing. Because I do think that there are things that Horimiya as a show could be doing more of, potentially. I've, I've discussed that, of course. Um, but also, it's, to me, the most paramount thing now is they actually do end up being in a relationship before the end of this. Uh, because I want to see that, I want to see that, that develop. Like, I don't want it to be relegated to a season two scenario, if you want to call it that. Like, show us, like, the build-up. Show us the actual moment of triumph where they do hook up. And then show us what follows after that. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. I think they're trying to like really play, or the show's really trying to play for like being, you know, relatable for a lot of people. And certainly there's a lot of authenticity and just organicness to the interactions. Like the scene between uh, Miyamura and Hori, uh, you know, when he's like, I-, I feel like these times only belong to me. That was like, I was like, yes, such a great line because not only is it very heartfelt with the visual to, effect man yeah not only is it not only is it heartfelt for him to say that but it's also i think very true and as you said like when he talks about like you know your relationship with annie like hey uh you know these moments are mine mine alone they are precious to me small though they may be there are many of them and they are mine and i think exactly. it really it really captured that well but yeah mmo junkie is gonna be the yardstick for me to compare it to that's gonna be the thing to be and I think it's quite possible because MMO Junkie unfortunately ended pretty badly, <laughs> you know, unfortunately <laughs> for it. Uh, wasted. Yeah. And the funny thing is as well, I also said, I think that MMO Junkie also had a lot of stuff it could have done that it chose not to do that I really sure. wish it. So, I, yeah. so at this point, I feel that's my yardstick. But as how I feel right now, if I'm going to rate this out of five, I'm going to give Horimiya episodes one through four Four out of five precariously positioned uh, ear-to-cheek piercings out of five. Mm. Um, I was tempted to race it slightly lower, but I'm given everything we discussed, I think that it's a really strong start for the show. I have genuinely enjoyed it, make no mistake. Uh, my complaints thus far really are, one, Creeper Teacher could be f- ejected from the show without consequence. <laughs> Just get them the fuck out of there. Yeah, you, you could deject those two minutes without any consequence. And actually, I missed I missed off what I was going to say about it, which is, when I said before about the defense I was going to raise in that, like, if Hori had self-image issues or anything like that, that would be a reason for it to be in there, narratively speaking. And that would tie into, like, you know, the whole separate, different side of things, like, you know, how we present ourselves. Like, I feel like you could have tied that in some meaningful way to the whole different sides of people thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like where, or even where, you know, like that's all that people see me as, that kind of thing. You know, there are many different ways you could have gone with this rather than it just being a lame joke. Because that's all it is yeah. presented as. It's yeah. a lame joke that just lands with all the grace of a sack of bricks hitting the floor. It's shit. Yeah, it's, it's I guess, trying to like encourage her because she doesn't have any romantic prospects or something like that. But like, even though he doesn't know, she does. 
But that uh, that's the start of the show though. Like, we, don't even, we, don't, we don't even know who she really is at that point. So who the fuck what the fuck does it matter? Like, you know I know. We it's like no- it's super weird. Um and not funny. And mm. uh yeah, just may it could it could definitely be excised from, from yeah. the show. Now some other things I'll mention as well, um, in that yeah, I'm enjoying the relationship building. Um I think the humor works when it pops in. Uh, I don't think it's as funny as like other shows I've seen. Like Kagi Samurai is funnier in my opinion, but that's also dialed up the comedy more. So that's my intent. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention I've seen perspectives out there that the, for one, the show is a bit heteronormative uh, or even too heteronormative, uh, which I think came from Vrykaiser of Anime Femme. Uh, and I'm not disagreeing with their perspective. I'm just merely mentioning it as something to offer contrast to my opinion as a cisset guy. Um, and also the fact that um, there is apparently shades of homophobia in the banter between uh, Ishikawa and Miyamura. And I can kind of see that in some place, depending on how you read it. Um, I don't think it's ill-intentioned, though. Uh, not like, say, some of the stuff in Persona 4, for example, which is definitely more ill-intentioned. Oh, God, no. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the homophobia is from the onlookers. Like, mm. I I don't know. I mean, maybe in the Japanese... Maybe because, you know, I'm not a Japanese speaker here. I can only read the yeah. English subs. The... But anything between the two of the characters themselves didn't didn't I didn't get that feeling. But well, like when other people react to them, like, "What the power of love? Are they dating?" Blue sort of it's a curious face. thing. It can make one heart. You know, no, sorry, never mind. I'll stop that. Uh, no, the, the <laughs> like, reason yeah. the reason I am bringing that is not to drag on bright eyes, but rather I want to point out something that I've said before. Oh no, 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 which, which um, is uh, myself and Doc, and I feel confident saying this on his behalf. We are merely two perspectives in a giant ocean of like you know opinions and our perspectives are inherently colored by who we are as people both as both being cisset guys um Mm -hmm. so i would invite you uh as you should be doing anyway you shouldn't be coming to us solely for opinions uh you should be uh, rather for your sole source of opinions i would invite you to read elsewhere uh check out for uh vry's thoughts on um horimiya uh check out other people's thoughts on it as well um I would definitely strongly recommend you do that. But from my perspective, it's a solid start. Uh, I've quite enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. I wish it was doing more with what itself already, but that's me uh, being petty and Creeper Teacher can get shot in the sun. Moving on. Um, so I guess my, again, my closest comparison would be like the anime adaptations of stuff by uh, Yuko uh, Takemiya. Uh, Toradora and Golden Time uh, just in terms of like how I felt about the characters and the romances and the ensemble casts um, but I am you know as as you probably know listeners uh, a massive uh, victim of recency bias <laughs> so uh, you know take this how you will um, but I am uh, very enthusiastically in love with everything the show is doing visually orally uh cinematically uh characterization wise um plot progression wise i can't believe i'm saying this about like a show that was written by the person that wrote the elfin lead anime adaptation and Iki tosin but like i super duper trust this show now it was a really um, bad day for them that's all i can say i really trust this show like in terms of uh delivering what I want, whether or not I know I want it. Like, I think wherever they end up going, like, I feel good about it. Um, just because, like, 
up to this point, it's been so solid. And like after two or three episodes, I was like, fuck, man, I'm so worried. Are they going to get together? But like episode four and then the rewatch of these episodes and kind of all at once and how they connect uh, really made me think like, you know, even if they don't get together for for a few episodes, like there's just a lot here that they could continue to explore. Because I was worried. I was like, if they don't get together, the show's just going to spin its wheels. It's just going to be doing nothing and putting off what they know that they want to do. But actually, there's just like way more there than I originally gave credit for. And they could do that. They could fill the time with really interesting, thoughtful stuff and not have them be together romantically yet. Um, <clears throat> which is saying something, I think, is, is a good achievement for them. I think the foundation is so solid. Um, as for, like, the, the homophobic stuff, like, I'll have to read that article because, like, um, yeah, it just didn't hit me that way. The only thing, the only time where I thought thought about the word homophobia was, again, when uh, Hori did it in episode one, and two random background extra girls did it in episode three where they were like, you're creeping me out. You know, the way that you Ishikawa and uh, Miyamura are talking about each other. Yeah. Um, that's stupid. But like to me, uh, uh, like like you say, cis, straight, white, male guy, like I, I am able to compartmentalize and put that to one side. Other people, it might annoy a lot more. You know, but the ratio just seems to be so small um, that I'm able to compartmentalize it. There may be more stuff in the like subtextually that Vry is um, that that they're seeing um, in the banter between the two boys. Whereas to me, it just came off. And again, then maybe this is my naivete. It just came off as a really like genuine silliness because Miyamura is just so awkward, <laughs> uh, and and uh, Ishikawa is so affectionate. Um, mm. like straightforwardly so, so um, that that is where I stand on that currently. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna give the show like I was gonna go four point five, but I'll go four point seven five. Um, you know, fancy uh, fancy cake shop cakes in a red box out of five. Can I can I just say uh, when you were talking then about. The homophobia stuff. What pops into my head was if you want to ever have a perfect encapsulation of why this is a product of its time, because it was written in the late two thousands or early to late two, sorry, mid to late two thousands. The DVD fucking menu. That's authentic. That little DVD logo popping around. On I the know. TV. <laughs> Didn't we got that in Kobuchiko no Sherlock? Yeah. Oh no. Uh, wait. What DVD symbol? <laughs> oh no. You were talking. You were. Ta- uh huh. Yeah. The DVD bouncing. Oh. Fuck, why did uh, while, you do uh, why did you do that? Mrs. Hudson was explaining a why case to them and the DVD thing was yeah, bouncing. Yeah, 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 it was a it was either DVD or Sony. Some logo was bouncing. I think it was DVD, but yeah. That happened so, there. I hate <laughs> Physical media. That's I thought great. I, I thought I buried that in the deepest core of my mind, and then you just had to just excavate out with the dynamite. The words Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> yeah. Well, then again, then again, what, if you really want horror movies to like really be like you know a product of its time where it's even more older, like what they need is to have them do a karaoke scene where they just have that little bee that turns up, like, and they just like the bee character, whatever it is, on these karaoke machines are like really fucking ancient. <laughs> Man, <laughs> yeah, that's rough. 
Oh my a bouncing God. ball or bouncing. Be- yeah, Kate says that uh, the that there is um, more homophobia uh, to be read into in the manga, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I will. I'm not going to excuse the anime for this or the manga for it, but I get the intent that it's not meant maliciously. But that when I say that, I only offer that as a way of explanation, not excusing, because ultimately the end product is what matters. Um, and yeah. I would in turn invite people who are listening to this podcast who are not cishet, like if you've watched Army and you do think self like, no, there's something that's a bit fucking sketchy there. Uh, tell me about it. Um, and I, now is actually probably a perfect segue for me to plug where you can find me on the internet, funnily enough. Uh, so if you want to talk to me about Horamiya or any other show that I'm currently covering, or anything for that matter, you can find me at Shame1010 on Twitter. I do uh, very strongly open, like I've got my doors open for that. Please do talk to me about it, offer your perspectives. I want to be educated. Um, and mm. in turn, uh, Doc, where can people find you on Tinternet? Well, uh, I am at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. I, I do. I feel that those jokes, the the intent is ill, but I think where I come down is like the ratio is so small that I I am able to compartmentalize. But I think, like as you often say, your mileage may vary. That's just uh, my personal experience. Um, I can see how that would make the show not for someone. Um, but no, uh, at the subtle doctor on Twitter, you know, I, I look at my bio, you'll see what I like to talk about. Talk to me about those things or anything else, any anime under the sun you want to tell me to watch or disagree with my opinions or think I'm very smart, uh, for having good opinions, which no one in the history of Twitter has done that yet. So you'd be the first person to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, at tweet tweet me at the Soul Doctor. That's where I be. For sure. And I'll leave off by just saying that if again if you enjoyed this podcast and want to support us financially, you can pop over to patreon.com forward slash warrior show. Uh we've got free tiers, two free five dollars of increasing value and return rewards. Uh gets you access to more and more podcasts. Do feel free to check it out. If you're listening to this on the free to air and you actually want to support us instead through the means of, you know, non-financial methods, like you know, times and stuff, you know, novels got a lot of money. I'm totally cool with that. I don't blame you in sliced. All I would ask, therefore, drop us a like, drop a subscribe, you know, the usual social media engagement methods, smash all those buttons. We've been through this rigmarole before. You've been told it by a million different people. You know how this tango works. Uh, so, yeah, do feel free to do that for us. Uh, but nonetheless... Go, go to go to the Apple iTunes app on your mobile device. Yes, yes. Leave us the five snake review. And... A, a, a review not simply the five snake rating but the review i'm going to check live on air and see if we've gotten any new reviews like we've gotten a few new ratings but i'm going to check and see if we've gotten new reviews i'm signing in oh my god are you kidding me your apple id can only be used from the devices you approve uh and it's now got to send me a two-factor code it's not worth it i'm not doing this so well, you know what? i'm going I'm, to assume you know what? we haven't got- <laughs> you know what i'm going no doc, i'm disagreeing i'm just gonna be here like i'm picturing him like we've got all the reviews ah so all many reviews and they're so good <laughs> we've gotten a fair few ratings which i'm very happy about um, that'll do thank you very much uh, uh yeah do yeah. feel free to help us on that front um so yeah um Otherwise, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much, everyone who's joined us, be it live on air or listening to us after the fact. You're all amazing. 
please take care. Stay safe. Uh, none of us are out of the woods yet with the current situation, even if things are getting better in certain respects. But other than that, I will leave it there from myself and Doc. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. Take care. Stay safe. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, and as always, as we often say on this podcast, a brace show for everyone to the ends of the universe. Good night. Oh, good night.